Hello, you're listening to the Eric McKenna Project. We don't even introduce anymore. We just kind of go into stuff, you know? <laughs> Good to see you, my friend. Good to see you, Eric. Thank you for having me back again. Well, it only took them, I don't know, I guess there was a, some little obstacle called, I don't know, what was a Corona something? Corona, or Corona something like drink, that. Corona beer, Corona, Coronavirus. Exactly. Yeah, that's coronavirus, it. That's man, it. Yeah, it a little bit of an obstacle in there. Exactly. I was here, what, about a year... Almost a year and a half. Yeah, about a year and a half since you were last here. Yeah, and and, and you were supposed to be here roughly last year at this time, right? Exactly. Is that about right? I, uh, I think. Something I think like so. that. Yes. You Something invited like me. You sent me this beautiful video invitation. That's I loved right. It. I, loved it. I don't think I've ever I, gotten a video invitation. Don't tell invita- them my secrets. <laughs> I don't think I've ever gotten a video invitation from anyone. This was so good. Yeah, I like to do that. I could do that special yeah. stuff. But... um. A lot of stuff I want to talk to you about. So, obviously, without going into crazy detail, I will not put you on the spot uh, with respect to you first and, of course, your profession. But how are you as a man, as what you do and, and charity work you do, How how is all of that affected by corona? Take me back to this time last year, if you can. Yeah, let me tell you, really interesting. I mean, last year was just uh, a crazy year, a terrible year, a terrible mm-hmm. year from a health care standpoint. I mean, uh I mean, first and foremost, I'll say on behalf of Hope for Ghana, prayers to everyone affected by coronavirus. People who got sick, the people who, who lost their lives, families who's, you know, uh, who will never be the same because of coronavirus. Right. My prayers go out to them, right. to business owners, to people who's, I think everyone, all of our lives were affected, business people. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know that anyone wasn't affected by coronavirus, right? Yeah. So last year, it's interesting, I was supposed to go to to Ghana mm-hmm. on March 17th. I had a ticket on a Tuesday, March remember, 17th. Remember. So that Sunday, let me tell you, let me tell the events. You probably, because you're on my mailing list, I, I sent out an email on March 15th, mm-hmm. Sunday. I forget the title. It was like, uh, just hope in the, mid, in the midst of fear, hope in the midst of uncertainty. I was going. It was the email saying, I'm going. I remember. I'm going on Tuesday. And actually, Ghana seemed to be the safest place on earth because coronavirus was kind of increasing here. Um, the, the the concern, the healthcare concern, the real concern was out there. Numbers were going up. Ghana, I think, had two cases. So I was counting, and I'm thinking, "Oh my God, please, please stay safe." I'm going. Like I didn't right. know. I, I didn't want to go into a storm there. Right. Sent out the email. I think like at nine in the morning. Two hours later, I remember the president of Ghana locks down his borders. Does not want Americans in there. Doesn't want Europeans. Doesn't want Americans. And it, it was the right move. It was the right move. Yeah. He, he was protecting his people. He did the right thing. And so uh, I sent out another email. I remember. Uh, you know, a mission. You know, not not canceled but postponed. Right. So um, so that Tuesday, I took off. I took off that day even though I put myself back in the schedule after that, but I put, took off that day, like almost to honor the day I was supposed to leave and go to Ghana. And I remember I did a video, and I don't do a lot of videos mm-hmm. of myself, mm-hmm. but I did a video in my living room, and I I, I, I talked about that uh, I wasn't gonna let COVID right. stop Hope for Ghana's mission. Right. That so, so the initial point was, in my mind was, all right, I was supposed to go back to finish our second school. 
But at that point, in the midst of this coronavirus, really the, the panic all over the world, not just in America, but all over the world of, of this healthcare crisis, finishing a second school was almost irrelevant at that point. Like in the middle of March of 2020, right. it seemed irrelevant. So I remember doing this video saying, Hope for Ghana stands ready to help the people of Ghana. So we actually, Hope for Ghana, created a, a coronavirus crisis response. Okay. So with my ground operations assistant, and I'll talk more about him, right. this guy I send you, this guy I work with, my right. right-hand guy, my ground operations assistant, he's in Ghana. We were able to orchestrate delivering masks, made in Ghana, everything from Ghana, masks, gloves, sanitizers, soaps, uh, washing stations, all this kind of stuff. Donating to hospitals, healthcare centers, and village to village, giving this stuff out. Got it. So we recreated. So we created this wonderful effort um, that was be- really beautiful. So I-, I thought we almost had to like reinvent ourselves. What is Hope for Ghana going to be right now? Well, let it be a coronavirus crisis. That's response. what the world needed right now. The world needed that in March and April of 2020, and we did. We supplied hospitals, I think about six hospitals, 10 health centers, and thousands and thousands of people with all that kind of protection. Wow. We actually had um, our own, because they were running out of supplies like we were running out of supplies. I couldn't find the masks anymore. I couldn't find the sanitizer anymore, just like... Uh, everything was going off the shelves here in America. Incredible. So we had a tailor make us beautiful three-layer, like, I'm telling you, Dr. Fauci would be proud of these masks. I'm telling you, these masks are incredible. We made thousands of them. Wow. So the tailor and all his apprentices were busy making these uh, right. masks for us. Right. My friend Senya was mentored by a uh, doctorate student, a pharmacy doctorate okay. student at one of the premier universities okay. in Ghana mentored how to make sanitizer we made our own sanitizer there's a hope for ghana sanitizer out there oh really yes it's not on the market but but we made thousands of them um and and delivered them to people. wow so yeah so that that's what we did kind of march and april um and then it kind of hit me like around may or so that i'm not getting back to ghana so soon like it was clear mm-hmm. it was clear that the the borders were shut really the world was kind of shut down right i mean everyone in america but really the whole world was shut down um so i thought what can i do right i'm not going back to build a school but we we do those water projects water boreholes where we bring fresh clean potable water to villages right i can still work with my engineer there okay work with senyo the ground operations assistant and implement those projects. I can okay. get money to him and really remotely work. I was remotely working, basically. Okay. And uh, implementing through Senyo water projects, we delivered oh, over 10, 10 uh, water wells, these boreholes, yeah. great water yeah. wells, to villages over there. And we're still, we're still doing it. And you even, weren't even there. I wasn't even there. I wasn't. Wow. I could do it all remotely. And again, that's how... You just had to reinvent. Yeah. I think we all had to reinvent ourselves. Yeah. I certainly did with my charity because otherwise the mission would have stopped, right? It would right. just, right. have just stopped for a while until I could get back. But I didn't want to. I didn't want to do that. What, what was the overall impact of Ghana with COVID? I mean, how how were how were they hit? What degree? So it's interesting, and 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 I'm telling you, God must be watching them because it, it, I'll get to the answer in a second. But yeah. had had COVID hit Ghana and these African nations like it hit. America and Europe, they would have been crushed. Their healthcare system is so fragile. It is so fragile. It would have 
Overwhelmed. Uh, overwhelmed. Overwhelmed. Overwhelmed the system. So thank God. I mean, the system is just not a great medical care system, with all due respect. So their numbers are amazing. For a country of 28 million people, they've had to date, I think, like 90 or 95,000 cases altogether. That's it. That's like nothing, right? Yeah. It's nothing. And uh, deaths, they've had about 750. Uh, total? Again, for the total, whole country? Total. In all of this year and some months. Yeah. It's amazing, wow. isn't that incredible? So either, either they're really, really, really blessed, you know, or is it being underreported? There's always a question of that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the case is being underreported. Is it testing not happening as mm-hmm. much as in a developed country? Mm-hmm. So I've wondered. Is it, uh, is it something to do with how remote they are? They don't see the same amount of influx of, of visitors and so forth. It could be. It could be. Although. Uh, Usually, in general, there are a ton of flights coming in from Europe and America to Ghana. But yes, they insulated themselves very early. Like I said, they closed their borders from March until I think about September. Okay. So it could be their theories on the weather, their theories that their oh. life is much more outdoor than we have a lot. You know, it's warm all year long. Right. So a lot of their activities, even the marketplace, exists outside instead of inside. So. Uh, as you've heard in America, germs spread less when you're outside, and you know. Is that's uh, true then? Because I'm I'm yes. so confused. Everything that you yeah, see on the I mean, media, just, I don't know. The nature of being inside is that people are just by nature probably closer together. Uh, outside, things are so. What a was it, more spread Doctor? What, so, so just just again, again just general because I hear I hear that. In the same time, we also did a lockdown, and for a lot of people, lockdown meant stay at home right indoors so there's kind of a mixed message there exactly so i'll tell you so the lockdown was a the purpose of that initial lockdown like march april i forget how long that lasted for a while okay that lockdown was so that nobody sees anybody i mean except if you were an essential worker i know when you're in your field of work i don't think you could go into homes right Mm. you couldn't Mm. see clients probably Mm. right so that lockdown was more no one should see anyone if I'm not seeing you, I'm not passing my germs to you. Forget Got indoors, it. outdoors, forget anything. Got it. it was more of a lockdown because what potentially could have happened, there could have been a huge surge in cases. And so by locking down, we kind of, as they called it, flattening right. the curve. Mm-hmm. You, you never got to that huge surge of cases. That would have overwhelmed our healthcare system. As right. good as it is in America, we would have overwhelmed that healthcare system. Okay. So that lockdown wasn't about, is outdoors better than indoors? Uh, okay. It was, Nobody should be seeing each other. Okay. Don't even go to the supermarket if you don't have to. Because that initial spike could have been incredible. So incredible. Yeah. When they did, uh, you know, when they looked at the potential of what that could look like and they learned from Europe, Italy was a mess. I remember. uh, Right, 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 right. Of course, China, but but many European countries were in the midst of a mess. They looked at what their numbers looked like, so we learned from them. So the whole purpose of that was not to get that spike because we, we saw a little bit of it in our second surge mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in uh, like November, December, yeah. January in this yeah, country, yeah, yeah, yeah. even here in Pittsburgh, I mean, the, the healthcare system was pretty uh, pretty overwhelmed and many, many states, many cities were pretty overwhelmed. Okay. So that was the purpose of that, a little okay. bit different. Okay. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know if it was, I, I get it. See, you explaining that makes complete sense to me, but I think right. oftentimes we're, we're getting so many mixed messages, it's kind right. of hard to differentiate sure you know. sure 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 and so the theory in Ghana is maybe that their life is a little bit more outdoor got you it you know and uh just spread out a little bit more um hmm. than everyone in a store together you know yeah, yeah, yeah. everyone inside but who knows but i'm going next week right so right 
I feel great about it. I'm excited. I know you I'm are. I can tell. excited beyond belief because I, I haven't been tell. there since. I can tell. Every 2020, I couldn't go at all. Yeah, that's right. But part of me wonders, like, what am I going into, right? Am I going into their storm, you know, their coronavirus storm? But Could, they, could theirs just be delayed? I mean, is that how it could work? I mean, it would just, they would have, they would go through their issue like we went through our issue with just a year later, maybe. So it's hard to say. They they did everything a little bit later. It's interesting when we were uh, kind of really accelerating in March, and like I told you, when I uh, had to cancel my trip, my, my trip was canceled for me. They literally right. had two cases, so they were a few weeks after us. A few weeks later, three to four weeks later, they started surging again. Minimal numbers compared to us. Got it. Same thing. They had a second surge, just like we did in November, December. They just had one about a month ago, like okay. in February. So something's, for whatever reason, they're a little bit later than us. But now the numbers are down there. Hmm. Um, but I'm feeling good. That's great. I'm yeah, I, I obviously can't yeah. wait to get there, man. Yeah, I can't <laughs> wait. But uh, So, yeah. So, uh, I mean, until now, we've been doing these water boreholes. But now I'm going back. We'll finish We'll fin- finish building Hope Forgotten Second School. Right. Do more water projects. Do some other small things that have been on, on hold for a while. So, so when you get there, when you so you fly in, you land. Is there an agenda already in place? You know what you're going to do, or is or is it kind of like just free form? So, uh, a general agenda. Although every day looks different for me. Every day I kind of fly by the seat of my pants a little bit. Okay, but but there's a general agenda. So my workers, my masons, my carpenters, my guys know that on April 16th we're starting. We're starting uh, or finish, you know, doing this, starting the last phase of the school. Wow. So they know they're ready. But day to day, I meet with different people. I'll give you an example. Someone uh, last year, before I was supposed to go last year, gave right. me a donation for a wonderful widows and orphans. He said, I have in my heart, I want to help widows and orphans. So I said, that's wonderful. Why don't I do it through Ghana? I'll match whatever you give. Got then it. I had another friend match that. So wow. we have we have wow. a lot of money for a nice program to celebrate and give gifts to widows and orphans. So we'll do that one day. Wow. Um, I started the program last time I was there of... Uh, Offering apprentice scholarships, like I giving vocation, yes. and we may have talked about it. Yes, you remember? Uh, yes, the young guy Godsway. Yes, <laughs> yes. you can't forget the name, right? Yes, Godsway was my first apprentice. He, he's apprenticing to be a mason. He's still right. there. Right. Uh, I introduced it to my donors, and they loved it. I have a lot of people who've given me the money to sponsor an apprentice. That's amazing. So when I find some young men and women. Maybe men to be like masons and carpenters, the right. women seamstresses, right. soap makers, things like that. Well, well, so I'm gonna uh, do a lot of that stuff. So wow. on any one day, I could be I could be doing any one any one of those projects or part of those projects. So you're like kind of like um, there's this you're like the ringleader of the, of everything. I mean, you're like the, you're the general contractor mm-hmm. with all the subs out there. You're the one just making sure that the entire vision goes absolutely and each part's working together that's exactly right i'm not lifting the heavy block i'm not lifting i'm not mixing the cement if that's what you right so i'm not doing that but my vision is i want to build a school so it's 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 the vision that comes from here of course on this side on this side of the world the fundraising absolutely and, and all that goes into that um and uh implementing it on that side and right. creating the team creating the infrastructure right so what i have there is the infrastructure I got the masons, carpenters, engineer, water Absolutely. engineers. Absolutely. Um, I feel like I have everyone that I need, or I know enough people who could get me the people. You know, that's what you need right. in life, right? Either right. you either have to know something or find the person who 
you know, know someone who knows how to do something. Talk, I know we hit it a little bit last time, well, a lot last time, but talk again about how the, um, not transition, but the addition of the water wells became part of your, your mission. Because yeah. in the beginning, I, I think in the beginning it was it was schools, right? It was, it was actually libraries. And libraries schools. and schools, yeah. right, right. So, right. yes, yeah, so let me give you, I'll give you a little background of the waters. It, it's a great story. I love the story. So, just so you know, and I'll remind you, you probably know, but... Uh, viewers may not remember i've been in ghana for 35 years mm-hmm. it's it's a long time that i've mm-hmm. been there i went as a young medical student and i just fell in love with the people fell in right. love with the country the people and i would go back year after year doing medical work uh there was a doctor and his wife and their kids i became part of their family right. and so the ghanaian culture was in my blood from i was in my 20s i mean young guy as a medical student i loved it and then when my niece wanted me to take her. She's like, Uncle Steve, show me Ghana. Show me all these incredible people that you're talking right. about. Right. I took her, it was literally 10 years ago, uh, a little over 10 years ago, we went to an orphanage because she didn't do medical work, so I had to take her to an orphanage and that changed my life. That's mm-hmm. where the vision of my charity, Vision of Hope Got for it. Ghana was born. Got it. Of how do I change these kids' lives? How do I get them out of poverty? What do you give them beyond you know, rice and shoes and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, T-shirts and mm-hmm. book bags that are tattered or gone within days or weeks, right? right? So it hit me when I came home from that orphanage trip 10 years ago, education, that's that's the key. You know, education is power. It's, as Nelson Mandela said, yeah, it's, it, it's the greatest weapon we can use to change mm-hmm. the world. Mm-hmm. So my first project was at that orphanage, building a library and a computer lab. So right. that was the original project. It was this li- and, and, and that project was small. It was for 28 kids, a small, a small office, maybe a little bit bigger than this studio. And I put a small library and, and, and learning software, and it was right. amazing. Right, 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 right. And then I met a guy, Platini, yes. uh, who heard of my work, and I heard of his work, an educated man, a teacher, mm-hmm a wonderful child rights advocate mm-hmm. uh, who said to me, Steve, let's collaborate. Let's do something together. And he took me to big schools, schools of 800 kids, 1,000 kids. So year after year, we put in libraries, basically libraries and computer labs, the yeah, same yeah, yeah, kind yeah. of thing. Yep. But it's but it was for now 800 people. Right. So we did that, and then I did my sixth one, and then I had this vision of, why can't I build a school? Got it. Because in Ghana, so many, so many kids... It's a kind of you can Google the concept. Mm-hmm. Schools under a tree, right? So many kids right. learn under a tree. The government just doesn't have enough money for structures. So they just they just bring chairs under yes. a tree. They put chairs and a little board on the you know tacked onto the trunk of the you know, main trunk of the tree, mm-hmm. and the teachers teaching them. It's actually it, it's it's a ter- it's a terrible concept, right? But it's beautiful. There's beautiful, to see. yeah, because it's it, so beautiful. Because it, well, first it. off, you have you have the fact that the kids truly want to learn. Yes. Right? Absolutely. So when I see it, it's heartwarming to see that Certainly. motivation. Absolutely. Tragic that they don't have the facilities that we do here in a developed country, right? They don't have schools. They don't have uh, they don't have libraries. They don't have books. Right. Um, so with that concept, I, I, I spoke to some friends. They introduced me to a member of parliament who really was mm-hmm. able to show me where in his area, his district, did he... Uh, uh, you know, is in charge of where they need the most help. So he would show me, oh, Steve, we need help in this village, this village. And I just picked one. I just, 
Eric, how do you pick, right? They right. all, they, they, you know, they tug right. at you. All those villages tug at your right. heartstring. Right. But I built my first school. So from 2017 to 2018, we built a small school. Right. It's not like, you know, Franklin Regional High School, you know, in, in Pittsburgh. It's a, a four-classroom unit, but boys' rooms, girls' rooms. Right. Like, that's, a, that's an interesting concept in Ghana. They don't have that. So interesting. So even a boys' and girls' rooms with toilets is amazing. That's wow. that's a, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. that's a big step. Yeah. Uh, a staff room, lights, fans, a library. Sc- and again, a basic school like a kindergarten, first, second, third. It's a primary school. Would never have a library in Ghana. Mm-hmm. Not in these small towns and villages. Mm-hmm. So it was it was an accomplishment, and it's thriving now. It is beautiful. And the second school, is it uh, using the same model, or is it bigger, exact. is it more involved? So it's, uh, it's, exactly, it's exactly the same. Um, there may come a time with enough funding that I'd love to make a bigger school, but this one is the same four-classroom four unit, um, which is good for the, the kids that they have, they're servicing. Right. They'll, uh, sometimes they'll even combine classes. They'll put even a first and a second grade class together. Got it. Um, so it'll service them well. Is it? Yeah. Uh, help me understand. Are these kids that are in the first, second grade age? Does it go all the way up to what would you say? So my the school uh-huh. so to sixth grade. So okay. think of it as like pre K kindergarten. They call it KG one and two. So it's okay. like preschool, kindergarten, then first grade up to sixth grade. Huh. But the interesting thing you'd never picture the age groups. You'd look at the kindergarten class. There's some like nine year old kids in there because in these villages. So j- just to back up, when I'm building these schools, I'm in remote villages. Right, Eric. When I tell you remote, I'm telling you like no running water, no electricity, no paved roads. Yeah. Remote. Yeah. So uh, a lot of those kids would have had to walk, or previously had walked. They'd have to walk miles to get to the nearest school. So a lot of parents either took the risk or didn't send their kids to school. Got it. Because a lot of parents wouldn't want to send a four-year-old or a five-year-old on the roadside miles to go to school, so those kids stayed at home. Got it. So now all they weren't of a getting sudden, educated at all. Then. They weren't educated at all. So now kids who may not have gone to school till like age eight or nine or even ten are now in school at age. I think some of the kids are like three and four in that school. It's okay. beautiful. Like yeah. they're getting like six or seven more years of education. Some of them. Wow. Yeah. Uh, is. Steve, help us understand, you know, when you say remote, it's still, again, you were there, you've lived it. Yeah. We're just trying to conceptualize it. Does the government even have, like, birth records on all these people? Do they, I mean, how, the accountability in in this country, we're, you know, we're all dialed in, you know, we, we, you there's no hiding from anybody. You know, just this, it's the way of life that right. we live in a first world country. Right. This is the everything turned on its head, right? Turned on its head. Most kids do not have any birth certificates. There are a lot of kids. That's incredible. Many kids in Ghana that don't even know their birthday. So God's way, the guy, uh, the wonderful guy that I uh, am sponsoring his apprenticeship for, he says he's 18. We think he looks about 18, 19, maybe wow. 20. Wow. He doesn't have any birth records. And uh, his parents don't know. Um, they don't read or write. Right. So it's yeah. This is what this is. This is the state of affairs there. So know? so life for a lot of these folks is it is it is it straw huts? Is 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 it yeah. small shanty homes? What is it, it? it? It's both of those. It's huts and and really shanty homes. Uh, they depend on farming. Uh, okay, these are farming communities. Some is fishing. Uh, Ghana is a coastal uh, yes. country, so it's it's. Most of the people, if not educated to be teachers or or 
the rare few that are higher professionals like lawyers and bankers but in the small towns and villages most of them are fishermen and and farmers so it's it's that it's that poverty on that level poverty on that level it's literally hand to mouth hand to mouth what, what you farm you feed your you hope to feed your family with and wow. that's not three meals a day like in the typical American diet. Right, 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 right. Uh, you know, if you're lucky enough to get two meals, that's that's wonderful in these small villages. Maybe they might have a little bit of a surplus to mm-hmm. sell in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. That's how they can make their money. And they might do other things, distilling their own, um, their homegrown wine mm-hmm. or other things. But it's it's farming, fishing, and some, some side jobs. I'm just trying to paint the landscape. So that is... Is I'm guessing in certain areas, and obviously for the school, there's some kind of plumbing there, right? Is there so that the, the local municipalities would handle anything? Nothing. Nothing. So let me tell you. Let okay. me tell you. So there is no, there was no running water into this village. So you'd ask yourself, well, how do you build a school without without water? Right. So wow. that's that kind of brings me to the next chapter of Hope for Ghana's vision. Uh, bringing clean potable water. So I realized in building the first school in September of 2017 that my construction guys needed water for the cement, you know, mixing cement. And we wanted to create sort of a poor man's flushing system for the toilets. Okay. Send water, basically you send water okay. uh, through a pump. You you pump from these water wells that you build, you pump. Okay. You send it to this big polytank reservoir, basically a water reservoir. And by gravity, you could have it flushing the toilets okay so i hired an engineer and uh, he does this on a regular basis and within a day he can drill it within a day and then another day to fix the pump and i realized afterwards that women were lining up it wasn't my construction workers that were using this water but women were lining up with their pans that they put in their head and yeah, yeah, yeah 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 It's like pottery, right? Pottery. It could be, or it could be just simple steel, metal, metal pots. Um, But I realized the the story behind this, the whole water crisis that's going on, not only in Ghana but and in Africa, but probably in a lot of parts of this world. That women, I realized, were fetching. They were spending hours each day fetching for water for their daily needs, for drinking, cooking, cleaning their clothes, bathing. They would walk miles, women and children, and only to fetch dirty water. The water was filthy, usually from maybe from a river stream, often a river stream where cattle were drinking. I mean, animals were defecating. It was, it was horrific. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, they had this clean, fresh, potable water. Mm-hmm. So what started out as this really functional um, venture on my part. For the school. This, for the school. Right. For the school. Right, right. Became this, I realized, could be like maybe the greatest like a humanitarian thing you could do for a village. So we have now gone from village to village and that's what we do. We're building uh, or drilling for these water boreholes. Mm-hmm. We've done to date almost 20. Really? Almost 20 boreholes. It's up to 20 now. Up to 20 now. Thanks to, uh, uh, wow. we'll talk more about yeah. Senyo, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but he, he's been doing that. He, he's been doing that. Like I said, I, I, I kind of gave him the green light as I worked remotely. I gave him the green light. He did six in the fall of 2020, and he's now, um, we're in a new region. We, mm-hmm. we ventured out to a new region. He's on his first road trip, yeah. and uh, yeah, yeah. his first adventure, and uh, we're doing about six or seven of them in another region. Could you talk a minute about the um, 
the absolute importance how everything just starts with water because we take that so for granted. We see photographs, I'm sure, you know, we've always seen photographs of, of in Africa, uh, the women generally carrying the, but yes. that's a real thing. You got to kind of wrap your head around that fact that of all things, they don't have water. They don't have water, man. It is, that is it, it's unfathomable, right? It it's is unfathomable. unfathomable for us that in this day and age, where you and I just turn on faucets, you know, we, we don't even think about it, that they don't have that. They don't have that. They literally have to work. It's work. And you think about what they could be doing with that time. Mm -hmm. Like women, if they mm -hmm. weren't walking hours back and forth, number one, their physical health would be better probably. Uh, right. In some ways, just the strain on right. them for these heavy pots of water. Right. But they could be doing other things, more earning money, you know, right. uh, perfect, you know working. Right. Um, educating their young kids. Kids could be in school instead of a kid having to be at home with his mother to do all these chores. 100%. Could now be in school. Waterborne disease, um, horrible diseases that kill people. Like we take it for granted. If your kid here gets a diarrhea illness, like a stomach bug or something even more like salmonella, she get like something even a little bit more, we treat it. It's so treatable. In Ghana, many of those people die. Wow. From, so from those simple diseases, dysentery and others. So the fact that we can reduce waterborne disease is just amazing. Hmm. So it's, it's, it's incredible. And, and you don't realize that this is a prevalent part of Ghanaian culture in these small towns and villages. Even my friends, I have friends in the, you know, very educated people. They have uh, not a lot of money, but some money. They still have to fetch water. They're not... Every home doesn't have water. So maybe you have to make a deal with a guy maybe a mile away that you're going to fetch his water and you're going to have to pay him each month. So it's like a business. So wow, it's currency almost. It's currency. Absolutely. So I've given this village currency. Yeah. If they wanted, if they were smart, they could use it for a little bit of a business. No, right? I get it, get it. That's just, so, yeah. that has to be like, the be even beyond schooling or even beyond eating, the fact that the water is, that's right. the most primal. When you think about the most primal thing, exactly. It makes almost education, you and I know that education is important, right? It's absolutely. so important. Oh, absolutely. But it almost. Eclipses it, it. It eclipses it, right. It does when you think. So, so for me, once I did that first project, I thought water is going to be part of Hope for Ghana's mission yeah. uh, until the day I die. Like you know what I mean? It's just it's just so beautiful. It's so beautiful. So, so to be there, and you maybe have seen some of my videos. Yeah. To see these villages the first day when mm -hmm. we present the final project to them with the final product, right. And we turn on the faucet and the water's going. They're collecting clean water. There is jubilation. I mean, there's I dancing, imagine. singing. I bet. I bet. It, it, it's beautiful. It, it, it's, yeah. uh, whatever you see in the video, it's like 10 times as heartwarming in person. I, I can't imagine. So, yeah. The, the I don't know where to go with this. The uh, it, Again, it's the gravity of, of being waterless. Is, and there's supposed to be, some, supposedly there's some really interesting document uh, um, documentaries recently that have also spoken about the water issues in other lands there and it's just heartbreaking i mean that had to be i don't know uh you were in gone for 35 years mm -hmm. right so you obviously knew of of the of the shortage of education and water and food and so forth 
how do these people do it? Like, I mean, you know, for 35 years, we talk about it and we right. know there's a problem, but they seem to be, their personal resilience has got to be. The resilience is amazing. Yeah, we Eric, take so that, much that, for granted, you know? Absolutely, and resilience is the word. They don't even, they don't really even complain. I think the jubilation is they finally see something different. Okay. Let me give you a story. They, okay. they don't, they don't even know that that's not normal. Like, we're describing the, the abnormality that a woman has to walk all that way to get dirty water. You and I know that's not normal. It's not right. They don't know that that's not right. Okay. So maybe two years ago, I was presenting to a village uh, the concept that we're about to drill. Like, to, we're going to come in tomorrow, I'm going to start drilling. So I had the a captive audience of the village, and I asked them to bring me the water they're drinking. So they brought me in a bucket this filthy water. I'm telling you, Ugh. it would make you sick just to just to look at it dirty, like muddy, muddy water. And all they could do is really boil it at that point, right? At best, and hopefully it's some of that, that dirt settles. So I said to the village, I said, is this clean, healthy water? And an older woman, I remember where she was sitting. She was sitting to my left. She says, yes. And I thought maybe she didn't understand my English because maybe some of the people in the, uh, don't speak English uh, quite so fluently. So I said, no, is this water, is this water clean? Is this water healthy? And she again said, yes. Okay. And the tragedy of the story is she thought that was normal. She thought that was wow. what what she was supposed to be drinking. That That was her norm. Wow. So then, days later when we presented clean water, you could see, you could see the... Uh, just the sheer the sheer joy the sheer wow. joy and what 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 they should have been drinking that's incredible it's unbelievable that's their standard though that's... It's, it, it, it's a standard it's a standard they're 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 documentaries there's a great book i have a nice story that um how it got someone involved so uh there's a book a long walk to water a long walk to water is the same water crisis that we're talking about i believe it occur it, it takes place in the sudan okay so I think maybe, I forget when it was, maybe on my last trip in September of 2019, I got an email from a teacher at Propel Braddock Hills Basic School, Middle oh, School. Okay. Hope I said that right. Okay. Propel, Bra yeah, Propel Braddock Hills Middle School. They were, one of the teachers was, uh, her class was reading this book, A Long Walk to Water. And one of the other teachers who knew of my work through, she goes to a church that has donated a lot of okay. uh, money towards the water project. That other teacher said, Amber, you should get in touch with this guy, Steve Green. His charity's doing exactly this kind of stuff, like, you know, working on this water uh, crisis. Okay. She got in touch with me. That school, these young kids, I don't know how old they are, seventh graders, 12 years old, right? About 12 years old. They raised money. They raised wow. $3,000. To supply a village with uh, with clean potable water. Wow! Based on the inspiration from that book, yeah, it, it, it was so beautiful. Yeah, and it's and I think that's so needed. Sometimes we just, I think Americans are so generous. I, I really believe we're generous. We we just sometimes really need to understand, really, and and see and feel um, what others are going through. Absolutely. You know? Would you agree with that? A absolutely. I, I think we just don't know. Mm -hmm. We just don't know. I think 
I think there are a lot of people in this country that would be so empathetic, but just don't know about that crisis over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where I, I, I think the the people that are so faithful to my mission, you know, faithful mm-hmm. to you know donors, are people that their eyes were opened up. Right. Yeah, you know, they were awakened to say, "Oh my God, I didn't know this went on." Right. And if Steve Green can go and do something for it. You know about that. I'm gonna mm-hmm. I'm, I'm gonna donate to that cause, but they just didn't know before. Most people would never know. How, how do you take us through the process for yourself? Like, how do you, um, how do you rectify that in your brain? Like, you know, you go down there and and, and you're there experiencing, you know, what we just can't fathom. Yeah. Like, how do you? There's got to be a. How do you push through the sadness? It has to be sadness. I know you feel so much joy. Yes. That's what you're doing. And I'm sure that overweighs everything. Right. 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 Absolutely. But was it ever? Has it ever been tough for you? Have you ever gone back to your, to your, to your room exhausted at night and just you know it, it just you have moments of weakness with that? So, so I'll tell you, and and it look even from my first trip and my first trip 35 years ago, I, you can't be blind to the needs. Yeah. So, so while I talk about the beautiful people, the warmth of the people, the the amazing part, uh, the great food, the great you know all the things, of course there was there was the reality of oh wow, wow. this is how they're living. So, but I'll tell you how I, I I for me it was more about wow I could turn I turned that sadness into hope and Got opportunity. It. That's how I saw of it. Course. Of so, course, of course. So. I'd be lying to say it's not sad. I mean, yeah. that's poverty at a different level. That I'm witnessing poverty yeah. at a different level. Need, need for just things that we just take for granted here at a different level right. that right. most people could never understand unless they've either seen the pictures or or witnessed it personally for themselves. But for me, I look at it as wow. This is something to do. We can give them hope. We can give them opportunity. Right. So I look at it as what can we do for this? Right. Not overwhelmed with. Uh, or not um, overwhelmed by just the sadness of it. But is it sad? Yes. Is it yeah. sad? Yes. But I look at it as it fuels me. It fuels well, certainly. me as certainly. Uh, there is so much we can do. So just a, so I can somewhat paint the picture there, mm-hmm. Doctor, it's, it's – is it like you'll see like uh, country areas and dirt roads and then these huts or these small – shacks do they i'm guessing they cook outside there's yeah. n- there's no running plumbing of any kind no running water there's right. no running sewage right a lot of them will use um almost like a little barbecue like a little barbecue with coal um, okay. some people do have um an old-fashioned uh stove if they have uh if if they have electricity or, or uh right some way to light that um but it's 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 really primitive. Okay, it's it's really primitive. There are big cities in Ghana too, right? Um, right, right. That look different. There are big city Accra, the capital, or Kumasi. Those are big cities. Outside of the airport, you'll see huge hotels like that rival anything in Pittsburgh. Uh, made for tourists, obviously. Ghanaians are not going to those hotels. Those are more for tourists to come in. But outside that tiny perimeter is is uh what i'm describing but especially when you get into the smaller towns the right. small villages that's where the, the government money is just forgotten the government has forgotten them the money has never gotten to those areas are there like those towns are there there's are there police forces are yeah. there there's any kind of organizational structure of any kind there there is there's uh there's police they have a fire department there's uh 
there's a, there's a, like in much of a, the developing world, a lot of corruption. Okay, um, okay. Uh, people get paid off. Like uh, ambulances? And they, is it, yes, is, they do. They have that. They have ambulances, um, police, fire department. I'm trying to think what else. Uh, so ba- basic, uh, that basic structure they do have. Okay. Yes. But, but basically, for the most part, they are on their own. They're on their own. They're on their own, and uh, again, there are some schools. There's some. There are some schools, but the best schools are in the capital city. Those are mm-hmm. where, that's where the the great majority of the schools are. Mm-hmm. In so much of this area where I am, in the more remote areas, uh, there's just a lack of schools. Are they connected like the outside world? Is there internet service? Are there uh, mobile phone providers there? Um, yeah. In, in more remote areas. Yeah. So you could get, uh, they have these cell phones. A lot of them are getting, um, let's say from China, these smartphones, um, and they can load, with a SIM card, they can um, load on uh, credit for okay. um, data and internet access. Um, it's a bit expensive for them. Okay. Uh, but they can, they can they have access to the internet, and depending on the phone, some of them have either WhatsApp that, where they can yeah. message me and yeah, even yeah, video yeah. with me. Yeah, um, which is amazing. That's amazing. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. The, the school. I remember what you were here last time. I remember from that conversation. There was initially, there wasn't any connectivity. Right, the computers were kind of standalone computers that had their own learning functionality within the computer itself. Exactly. Is that so right? what I've done right with those six library and computer lab projects, it's literally just learning software. Got it. Because to provide ongoing internet service is difficult. It's a bit expensive, not always dependable, um, and at the end of the day, young kids are probably going to get into the wrong things anyway. They're Got not going to use it so much for Got learning it. as much as for more social Got it. things. Okay. So it's literally just like like 60 or 65 pieces of software. Encyclopedia Britannica, different reading programs, science, spelling, math, like amazing stuff. uh, Microsoft Office is on there. Right. So a lot of functional things, but not internet. There is, it's an interesting concept. So there's a, I wonder if you mentioned the name because nothing has been determined yet, Mm -hmm. but there's a local uh, university that may, they're thinking about uh, maybe providing virtual classes from Pittsburgh into my new school. Wow. And so they would hopefully uh, help create a computer lab with with internet, with Wi-Fi and on the ongoing expense. Wow. So, we take so much for granted, don't we? It's right. Like, it would be amazing if they can supplement their own education uh, with virtual classes, you know, mm. from, from Pittsburgh to help them out. It would be, it'd be incredible, right? And what's really amazing, too, is that... If any place on the world could use improvements in technology and, and internet service and connectivity, it's these places. Yeah, yeah. Even more than us, we've got it so much. We keep refining and getting our communications faster and faster and more real and more lifelike. But meanwhile, these folks have nothing. Yeah, yeah. And they could use it more than way more than we could. Right? Uh, absolutely. And and again, if you have the money uh to get these modems or yeah. or uh you know, access to Wi-Fi, modems. you can get it. or 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 on these SIM cards they just load credit. Um uh, that's what it is. You just keep topping off the credit. Uh you can get access. It's just it's just difficult for most people. The average person can't afford it. What's interesting is the last appearance you were on the show, we were uh, in our first year uh, doing this, and there was an incredible amount of influx of Ghanaians. Is it it Ghanaians? Ghanaians. Ghanaians, yeah. That joined the page and were commenting and, and liked our page, and it went from 
Oh, that's like, awesome. On, oh, on the Eric McKenna page. Thousands. That's so awesome. Thousands. <laughs> that's so good. Thousands, yes. Wow. Yes. Uh, wow. That was interesting. I was like, wow, they, they've got some. They've got the phones, the mobile phones, I'm yeah. guessing of some kind. They love Facebook, yeah. If yeah. they have just enough credit, they can get on Facebook sometimes, sure. It's amazing, sure. though. I mean, that, that's got to be almost... That 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 has to be quite an unbelievable experience to them, just to see how that absolutely absolutely they get exposed to that. Sure, sure. Because what they learn of the outside world would have to be done through teaching or right, visuals right, through right. books, right? Exactly. Or or it, more realistically, now on Facebook, now they see this when I post stuff and I tag you. Yeah, they they, they know the Eric McKenna project. That's just, it's just and it's they can amazing. watch they can watch our podcast. And I think a lot um, of them did. Right. It's just really amazing to me that, that we take, again, again, we take so much for granted, Doctor. And I just. We do. We do. I'm, I, I'm astounded. Like the water component um, is like a whole nother um, mind issue for me because I, you turn on a tap four times this morning to make my coffee, to fill my sure. coffee jug. We took a shower. Yeah. We just we don't even give it a second thought. We don't think about it, or even electricity. So over my uh, on top of the roof of the school, mm-hmm. I now I, I put solar power. Did in. you really? Yeah, on both schools. So uh, it create there's electricity twenty four seven. So it's wow. amazing. So imagine a school lit up at night in a village without electricity. It's like a beacon. It's a beacon, right? And so I I would love the community to come. Let women and you know older men and women read in there too. Let them let them all use it at night. Is that happening? So I'm going to try to make it. What I'd love to do is make it um, bring in vocational training, like mm-hmm. like let the school function, you know, until whatever it functions, like two thirty, like typical Pittsburgh school. Mm-hmm. But I'd love. I'm talking to the headmaster about maybe bringing in vocational classes right. for young adults and young men, uh, young men and women uh, in the evening. Um, and open the library mm-hmm. at night so that the kids can go there, but the parents can go there. Right, it'd be right. amazing. It'd be so incredible. Talk about the weather there because it is hot there. Am I right? <laughs> Bro, it's it hot. is hot there. Oh God! So if, if you'll never see a picture of me not sweating, right? you'll follow me on Facebook <laughs> next week when I get there. It, it's hot. It's hot. There's six degrees above the equator. So like I'm sitting on the sun. I so can't I don't know. even it's just, imagine. It's just hot. So they have their rainy season and their dry season. Okay. Uh, the uh, I think they're entering. They're soon entering the rainy season now. Okay. Um, now, what does that look like? Tell me, explain so that So they means. can get like monsoon rains, but maybe it might be for like an hour or two. It could be longer, but they heavy rains and then it's, then it's fine, but it's still hot. It's humid then, right? It's so humid. It is so humid. And then in our winter, it's more their dry, their dry season. Yeah, but still hot. I'm guessing those folks have never seen snow. <laughs> well, let me tell you. So, so it's funny they have, um, and I remember this from India too. There's something called the hamatan. The hamatan is this uh, this breeze, this breezy wind that comes through. I remember learning about it in India, and they have it in Africa, in Ghana. Okay. So let's say uh, just make it up December, January, I don't know, approximately the winter. In the evening, it's it's more pleasant. It's instead of the scorching sun. It would be like a pleasant seventy degree day an evening okay. for us. Okay. They're wearing their ja- they're wearing jackets. <laughs> of course. I'm still sweat Eric. Of I'm course. Still sweating. <laughs> I'm sweating. And I got sunscreen dripping free. I got like ten layers of sunscreen. I got insect repellent. I'm a mess. <laughs> Just a mess. But they're wearing jackets. I'm like, what? How do you do it? But it's all relative, right? It's all relative. It, it, yeah, yeah, it's whatever they get used to it. I can sure. imagine it's got to sure. be incredible. But hot, hot, but, hot but but beautiful. It's just, it's it's uh, it, it, it's nice, man. 
It's, it's What's so the topography like? It's like it's mostly flat. I mean, there's some areas I visited. Some areas where there's some mountains. You can climb mountains. Some waterfalls. Mostly where I am, very very flat. Again, farmland. Mm-hmm. Um, where I am, there's uh, I'm right. I can walk to the Atlantic Ocean. Like there's a beach, right. and I can walk to the Atlantic Ocean on one side, and then to this side is a lagoon. Um, it's 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 flat. Uh, dirt roads has that kind of dirty uh, like brown road look yeah. to it. Yeah. But but beautiful unto itself. Yeah. The do they have to. Um, I'm just talking about what they do in their regular life and the, the the challenge they have. Do they have to worry about predators in regards to how's the safety for these folks? So safety is a good question. They, uh, I would say Ghana in general is a very safe country. Okay. There are some countries in Africa that are not so safe. I would say Ghana is very safe. Having said that, I remember my friend Platini said to me, you get to your guest house by 9 o'clock at night. Like after 9 o'clock, the people out on the street, especially if you're out and you need a ride because everyone just hitches or you know you hitch hitchhike a ride home the people that are out there picking you up are probably maybe maybe they want something from you yeah um more likely to steal from you but uh, there are stories there like late at night yeah they'll, they'll do worse than just steal from you yeah. you know they'll hurt you so but you're um, by nine o'clock you're pretty much done because you've I'm been done. out in the sun all day absolutely man I mean, so i'm home things would shut down absolutely Ghanaians live their life according to the sun really to save electricity so they're up really early in the morning when the sun is rising okay by nine o'clock they're all asleep Wow. So even if I wanted to hang out with a friend, they're sleeping by then. Even by 8 o'clock, you wouldn't call someone probably after 8 o'clock there because they're, they're settling down, right? So people out, if you're out like at 10 or 11 at night, you're probably going to meet the wrong crowd. So you have to be careful. You have to yeah. be smart. You have to be smart. You know, I stand out in Ghana. Let's just say You don't that, right? say. <laughs> <laughs> you stand out. And they let me know that, by the way. They, they, I'm they, sure they, they let do. me know. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. It's, it's, a, nice, it's, it's a nice story. It's an interesting story. Yeah. Today, but but uh, you stand out. So people watch. They're watching you. And uh, they talk about you. Like the, People will say, oh, I heard you were here today. Like they're all talking. <laughs> They're like, because they've never seen a white, you know, they don't see a white guy that often. Right. You know, forget right. the American. They, they don't see white. You know, it's, it's, you're a novelty. And huh. they'll yell to you. So let me tell you the funny story. It's an interesting story. I don't think we talked about uh-uh, this last yeah. time. So, and, and it's not in a racist way yeah, at yeah, all yeah. that they'll do it. Of course it, not. But they'll yell to me either in their tribal language or in English, white man, white man. That's how they address me. Right. I can't stand it. I can't. For 35 years, it's like been the bane of my existence there. <laughs> So for 35 years when I'm there, you'll be walking down the street. Maybe someone's across the road and he just wants to greet you. It's not a, It's not racist. It's not, they're not. Of course mean, not. But right. they'll kind of yell it almost aggressive. Hey, white man, white man, I'm talking to you. Like, whoa. It seems, I'm not used to it. Right. I mean, I am in Africa, but it seems like I just wish they would just see me as... And it's not going to happen. Like I want to yeah. change this culture of sure, theirs. Sure, sure. But I'm not. I'm not succeeding at it, Eric. I'm not succeeding. <laughs> I want them to see me as not a white man, like separate from them, because they look at me as, oh, you're this American. You're here, and we're here. Like they don't look at us yeah. as equal. It's a shame. It's it's such a shame. And so, I'll one at a time. I'll educate them. So I'll bring them over. I'll bring them over. I'll say, look. I said, why don't you ask me my name? I'll tell them, they'll say, oh, what's your name? I'll say, my name is Steve. Nice to meet you. I'll shake their hand. I'll ask something about them. I'll say, next time, you don't have to call me white man. Just call me Steve. Like, it would be unusual for me to yell to you, like, across the street, black man. Like, it would be unusual. So I want to, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> right? 
so certainly here in America, but but anywhere, like I wouldn't not do advised it. here in America. Not advised, <laughs> but but I, like I was, I'm really sending. I was, don't call me white man. I'm not that. I, I'm just Steve. Yeah. So I'm trying to teach it one at a time. Probably not working very well. It's not working. I've got 28 million people. Maybe I've tried that about 150 times. So I'm like at 0.001% of the population. But it's that so is cultural. so great, though. Yeah. That is so great. In the village uh, that I started out as a medical student, they had a song for me. Okay. Well, not for me, for just white people. Because uh, in Twi, the, the white man is Bruni. Bruni. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, he used yeah, to yeah. sing a song, Bruni, Kokobachi, ya, chichi, boom, boom. And the kids would be dancing every time I walked by. And okay. now in this village, they speak a different tribal language. They'll be uh, talking about Yavu, the Yavu, the white man. But it's it's so weird, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's yeah, a yeah. weird concept, that, and I don't know why. I I, I should just like leave it alone. <laughs> I want to leave it alone, but there's part of me that just wants to teach them. I get it. That I'm the same as you. No, I get it. I get like, it. Like even my closest friend. Yeah, he'll be on the phone with someone. If if the phone rings, we're together. Right. He'll say, "I'm with I'm with the white man. I'm with the white friend." Like, no, you're not. <laughs> you're with me. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah, right? that, I would imagine that's kind of strange. It's yeah. strange, but it's so not. It's not like it's we. Not intimidating. It's, it's not, not intimidating, no. and it's not aggressive. It, and it's not racist intent intended at all. But it's, I think of it like separatist. Like, why do yeah. I? Have, why can't I be the same as you? Yeah. Like, I want to just be. Why can't we be best friends instead of you look at me yeah. here and I'm there? Yeah. Oh, you're there. Yeah. Right? It's interesting. So, so you've been there obviously all these years, every year, multiple times per year. So you've seen things evolve there as we've evolved over here with technology and so forth. We're living in weird times over here. For, forget the pandemic. We, we just right. with so much social media and we, we it's a different discussion, but we've right. our whatever this means, our moral component in this country continues to get more and more loose, I believe, in regards to things that are acceptable in society, which might not have been acceptable 10 years ago. My point is now that they have connectivity and they get little glimpses of our life, especially the youth over there, do you see them echoing or mirroring like the popular music that's here? They kind of replicate that, or maybe we're having social issues here that they they're aware of that some of that stuff, or maybe they're I don't know. I'm trying to understand what the mind of so someone that does have a cell phone over there and might be 12 years old or 13 years old, like, and they're seeing glimpses of America, which probably looks pretty scary at times. How are they adapting with that? What do you, what right. do you see? Right. So they see they see both sides. I think uh, for years, even since 35 years ago, they saw the what they called the glitter and the glamour of America. Okay. They watch American movies that paint us as rich, rich, rich. I, I think that's what gave, or, or not gave, gives Ghanaians the impression that we're just wealthy, that, that money is falling off of trees. Okay. They really have that image. They really do. So that's still, been there. Still. 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 Even with all our blemishes and our bruises that we show now, they they worship America. Really? Mostly because they're worshiping the, unfortunately, the material goods and the money. That interesting. That's really interesting. Uh, they do love. They love the music. You can see them dressing um, a little bit like Americans. Okay. There. Uh, they, okay. They have a, certainly, their own traditional cloth. It's right. gorgeous. Right. But you can see the youth trying to look a little bit more American. Even the styles, the way okay. we wear our clothes. Okay. The way we wear our baseball caps. The, you know, they, they 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 imitate. They hear our music, um, but. 
I, I think if anything, America has been glamorized too much. They all, all they want to dream about, all they talk about is, I want you to take me to America. Like I need to be in America. They don't even know why, but hmm. they think. I mean, they have a sense that that's where money is, and uh, so that's that, that that that's what I've noticed the most. Wow. Um, I would imagine as technology continues to get better here with connectivity, there's probably more and more exposure to that, which could be good and bad, I'm guessing, too. Right. In that instance, right, they right, got right. a misunderstanding of what we're about. Right. But they did hear a lot about, look, look, 2020 was just um, uh, so many tragic stories, like so many bad yeah. stories. They yeah. had uh, their own um, uh, vigil for George Floyd. Uh-huh. I think someone in Accra, the Capital Center, did a gorgeous, gorgeous mural, like almost beyond life size, uh, in, in, okay. in memory of him. So they're watching. They're definitely watching. Um, they echo or they reflect on things that former President Trump had spoken about um, in sometimes in not such good ways. I'll, I'll give mm-hmm. you an example. Um, so my closest friend, this guy, Senyo had said to me, uh, last time I was there, he was reflecting that I'm just different than most people uh, that he's either heard of or met. Uh, that's a white white person, certainly from America. He said, white people don't like us. I said, well, what are you why, talking about? Yeah, why, why would you say that? Um, and, and there's just a mistrust, I think, in general. Uh, their history of slavery, of mm-hmm. course, dictates no, no that. Doubt, no doubt. But then someone calling mm-hmm. uh, their country a shithole country didn't help, right? No, not so, at all. So, right, it didn't help. Not at all. So they're listening. So they're they're seeing the glitter, but they're seeing the the mm-hmm. not such pretty side of us too. Mm-hmm. Um, and and hearing that stuff. So all I could do was remind Senya that. No one man reflects me. You know, yeah, it's one he man. doesn't reflect me. That's one man, and one no man. one man, yeah, other than myself, reflects my yeah. art. But um, so they're listening, they're hearing it. Uh, they went through uh, an election. They, they their uh, presidential election is right around when we. It was in December, just a month after ours. Okay, how does that look? Where they? How do they vote? So they have a democracy now. It's it's wonderful. Yeah. Um, when I got there in 1986, they were in the uh, hands of uh, Jerry Rawlings through a military coup. So really, a, uh, mm-hmm. a, he was running the country mm-hmm. based on a coup. But then uh, somewhere in the 90s, and I was there for that first election, they, they started having elections. And every four years, they, and quite peacefully, it's amazing, uh, elect a new president. Mm-hmm. But what happened this year in Ghana and again, it was a contentious election, really paralleling America, like like half the country and half the country just polarized. Either you love this guy, you love this guy, not unlike us. Yeah. And the guy that lost was contesting that it was a rigged election. Go mm-hmm. figure, right? Yeah. So, and I don't want to go down the road, but but I think they're listening. I think they get ideas. Of course. They get ideas, of course. right? Of course. Right? So it's... No, I understand. I understand. They're, they're watching the good, the bad, and the ugly of us. I guess everyone does, right? Yeah. So. The, go back to the towns for a second. So just so yeah. we could help d- help describe this picture for those watching and listening to the show. Uh, are there areas where there's um, like these these shanty how these primitive style homes like clustered together, or are things more spread out there? Is it like I, I kind of think like in my head I see uh, a dwelling. And then, like, just vast wasteland or little farm area, and then another, like, I don't know, a uh, quarter mile, another dwelling. Is it that spread out, or do right. they live closer together? They, they live close together. And so, in the towns, 
it's pretty congested. Okay. Even in the small towns, it's pretty congested. And they have they have a concrete buildings, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But one on top of another. Got it. Um, there wasn't any zoning commission when those were built. I'm guessing. <laughs> no, 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 and I don't know how you'd find your way. I don't think a GPS would work there. I honestly don't think a GPS would work. But you never know. Google and Apple are pretty amazing. You never know. It's true. Just try it out when you go there. It's true. Actually, you can find the bigger town on Google Maps. You can actually see some of the bigger towns, like the tiny villages where my schools are. You won't find that. You won't okay. find that anywhere. But the bigger towns you'll see on Google Maps. Really? Yeah. It's that remote. You can see. Yeah. Yeah. Now, where you're working, are they clustered together, the dwellings, or is it more spread out like I described prior? So... Or is it um, a combination of both? It's a combination of both, but a village, for one village to another, has a big separate area, big farmland. People with, live but, sporadic in there? But within a village, it's one next, okay. one pretty close to the next one. Yeah, it's, it's pretty close. Okay. Yeah. So there may be... Um, 70 or 100 families that live within this village. Uh, okay. Fairly close. But then the next village, Got it. Uh, maybe a while away. Got it. Yeah. The farming that's done there, are there each family's kind of fending for themselves and they have their own little plot? Or are there bigger farms that might have like 50 people working on there? Would they be able to hold regular jobs working on someone else's farm and then they collect the paycheck? Other, but they might help each other. It's interesting. I don't even, I don't know that I know the exact answer okay. to that, but I think it's mostly each family has their own. But guess who else has some farmland, Eric, over in Ghana? I was given as a gift farmland. Are you but serious? I, I, I did. I, after I built the first school in this village of Gokpokope, they wanted to give me a gift. Okay. I've never used it. I keep trying to give it away wow. to someone who could use it. Wow. Because what am I going to do? I'm not a farmer, Eric. Yeah. Well, I don't, don't look like a farmer. I don't look like a farmer, right? Neither do I, but. Right? So I'm not giving it to you. They gave me five acres of rice farmland okay. and five acres of maize. Huh. So all I wanted to do was give it to friends. Like you have it, enjoy it. Yeah. You reap whatever, be- uh, you yeah. know. Reap the harvest and sell it. It's yours. I don't want a penny from it. Yeah. The friends that I was offering it to, it's going to cost money for them to travel from their home to this ah. village. Everything's, uh, you know, comes down to money, it's a right? It keeps giving. <laughs> right. So I'm going to talk when I get back. I'm going to talk to Senyo. Maybe we hire, employ people. Yeah. You know, give them jobs. Like employ them to do the farming. So they have a job. They can do it. And then... Can it raise money for the raise charity? Money, raise money for the charity. Sell the stuff in the marketplace, right? Exactly. You have someone to manage it, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, and that employs people. It employs people, and the farm isn't going to waste. But right. I keep thinking about, like, our, you know, Archer Daniels, Midland, these big companies. There's no there's no medium-sized firms down there buying big plus lands and then hiring the talents people to work at the farm. As far as you know, no, 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 no. The if you're talking like big industry, you'll see that only in the capital city. That's it. What That's are the it. industries of the country? So, really, what are the industries? So, there? so you'll see, you'll see companies there. Uh, Nestle is there. Um, okay. Coca Cola is there. Um, I've never been in these places, but just it, producing it product for Ghana. I think God. so. I think so. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I don't know because I've never really visited them, but I know Nestle, Coca Cola. There's some companies there. Um, there's uh, some banks. So if you're really highly educated and you can know the right people, you can get a banking job. Um, uh, the member of parliament is a lawyer. Like the elite people have very good jobs. But that's that's like this much yeah. of the population. The vast yeah. ma- majority, uh, probably a good paying job as a teacher. Okay. Um, again, mostly farmers, fishermen. I'm trying to think what. In other- the big cities, the, the schools are, are better quality naturally. 
I mean, from yeah, in the city, yes, in the big cities, because that's where the, the yes, that's where the money goes into. In in the towns and villages where I'm at, there's a scarcity of teachers. There's a scarcity of textbooks. I you bet. might have a classroom of a teacher may have a classroom of like fifty, sixty kids. Imagine that. Like in Pittsburgh, we have like maybe twenty, twenty five kids in a classroom. Right, 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 right. They might have a classroom of fifty or sixty kids with like maybe three or four textbooks that the kids have to share. Wow. The headmaster may be begging the government, "We need more. We need more. We need more." We'll all be dead before they get those textbooks. You yeah, know what I mean? Like, yeah. they just don't come. That's just crazy. So, That's like the most elemental thing. I mean. Right, exactly. So I buy, so for the schools that I'm building, I buy everything for them. Notebooks, textbooks. Wow. I, t- I take care, you know. So long after I build a school, I'm still providing. My, my mm-hmm. fingerprints are all mm-hmm. over that school. Um, you, you mentioned tourism before. Like, I've never heard Ghana being a tourist stop. So what right. what, what are the tourist attractions there? So I'll tell you, it's interesting, right? The, most people who go to Ghana are um they have mission work either like doctors and nurses doing some medical work you know doing medical uh uh church people evangelizing yeah. uh, preaching yeah. mission work um and then someone like myself with this mission you know building schools mm-hmm. doing water, things like that you usually go to ghana for a purpose in other words yes, you go I with mean, a mission okay right i don't think ghana's on you know like people are saying, like, honey, should we go to like Hawaii or Ghana to see? <laughs> They're not. I mean, it's. But yet, when you get to Ghana, um, trying to think some of the cool places. So there's this really amazing place, Cape Coast, is a huge coastal city. It used to be the capital of Ghana, right? That um, has so it has this really fun thing I'm going to tell you about, but also has um, a lot of uh, the biggest uh, former slave trade castle so okay. ghana was an enormous port of right. slaves to right. the americas europe and, and so they're spotted all over the coast of ghana you have these and, and the biggest one is in cape coast mm-hmm. cape coast castle um eric one day you'll come to ghana with me you'll take a tour i've done this tour like three times you, you'll cry like it's an hour-long tour recreating you see the space where the slaves were um mm. waiting literally waiting to exit the door of no return it's it's haunting it, it'll make you cry mm-hmm. and, the, and the they do an amazing job like the person who leads the tour is just it's it's such a beautiful there's nothing beautiful about the story but he beautifully makes Describes, you feel yeah. yes you viscerally feel what mm-hmm. tragically what those people had mm-hmm. gone through mm-hmm. and then you see the last part of the tour is that door of no return that opens to the beach it's, it's wow. it'll haunt you but um so we go that's it's a tourist area barack obama was there uh, in fact there's a plaque where he was there mm-hmm. um so in that same region in that same town a uh, city what do you call it it's a canopy walk i think they're like five in the world okay you walking on this wood canopy there's like netting here you walk and of course but there's underneath there's like Hundred feet below you is the is the earth, like forest, so wow. You think if you fall like it's it's it, it's amazing. I think there's one in Peru. There's one maybe in China. Oh, sorry. So sorry, you're sorry, walking at the top Asia. of the canopy of the fort of the, of the forest. Yes, wow. it's a canopy, and the width is oh. <laughs> just a little bit beyond like oh. your body's width. No, and thank it, you. <laughs> no, it is fun. It is oh, so much. Sounds fun. fun to me. And you're going for one. <laughs> One point to another, and like eight different points to connect. If you're scared of heights, you're going to be. You know, yeah. 
Oh yeah. You're gonna Hello. Pee, you're gonna pee on yourself. You're gonna pee right. Yeah. No doubt. No doubt. <laughs> but it is so much fun. So that's that's a, that's a great thing. That's a great thing. Uh, where I was near the orphanage, there's um, West Africa's highest mountain. Uh, we hiked. I think I almost died there. <laughs> it was. There you were, should have come down than it is to go up, right? Two, well, there are two routes. There's one that's uh, what is it? A little quicker, but steeper. <laughs> so I thought I was taking all these wonderful orphans on the one that's a little bit longer but a little less steep. I think they tricked me. I think they picked the wrong one. I was like short of breath. Oh really? God. Oh my god! I didn't think it was that bad. It was bad. It was bad. There's some waterfalls there. So, so there's some beautiful. There's well, you some mentioned beaches earlier on. I was just thinking beaches, to myself: yeah. Is there like is there hotels that are on those beaches? Is that a destination for people to go and, and I don't so, know, kick back for a week or two? So I'll tell you, in Ghana, again, you wouldn't. No one would go there as a destination. But if you're in Ghana, you would go in. That's, that's in what Accra, I mean. In the capital city, if you city. had money, if you had money, and yeah. you knew what a vacation was, sure. In Accra, they have um, I think it's Labadi Beach. There are a couple of beaches that are well kept. I'll give you an example where I am. Uh, it's in a small town called Tegby. I could literally walk from my guest house down towards the beach. Maybe it takes me 15 minutes. It's okay. a beautiful walk. And it's peaceful, but it's it's not built up. I mean, there is a resort hotel nearby, but pretty empty. Like if I'm not eating dinner there, it's it's, it's relatively pretty empty. Right, um, right. The beach is littered. Like people just leave stuff yeah. behind. Like it's yeah. not... Yeah. It's, it could be. It could be made if someone mm-hmm. really wanted to make it into a tourist area. You mm-hmm. could, but it lacks it lacks that infrastructure right now. But mm. there are beaches all over as a coastal city, so I, I think it's something they could they could definitely improve upon. It, it really it just it's so hard to wrap your head around. Um, you know, you have a city area, and then there's obviously plumbing there, right? For these, not there's their skyscrapers <clears throat> in terms of like their moderately high buildings, office buildings, Inacra, and so Inacra forth. Only in really in Accra, um, the capital city. Yeah, where I am in these smaller towns, no, no, just like one level or two level homes, two level structures. If a family had enough money, they might build a two level structure, and the whole family would live within that compound. Wow! So you'll see that. Um, if, if they have enough money to do well, that. Where you're staying, do you, have, do you have running water and so forth where you're staying? Yes, so I have a guest house. Okay. So what I learned, Eric, I need one thing in life. I, I need, I just need a toilet. Actually. Yeah. That's yeah, all I need. Yeah. So I had been at my friend Platini's house. When did we do our first project? In 2015, I believe we did our first project. Mm-hmm. And he decided... He was very hospitable. He wanted me to save money instead of staying at a guest right, house. Right, 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 right. He said, you stay at my family home. You're our guest. Okay. It was nice. The room was okay. The room was okay, but there was no toilet. Yeah. It was like yeah, a little yeah. outhouse. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like sitting on a concrete slab, a little hole in it. I get it. I, did I get it. I did that once. I did that twice. I used to walk. I used to walk to the roadside. It took me a while. Then take a taxi to the nearest hospital, to the municipal ho- uh, hospital there. Just use a toilet every right, day. Right, right. Yeah. Right. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And even there, I had to often bring my own soap. Though even in a hospital, there wasn't even yeah. soap sometimes, just to save money. There wasn't soap in the bathroom. So in your guest house, though, do you have water there? Yes, we have okay, water. Thank goodness. Okay. It runs most of the time. Doesn't always run. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. God, the electricity is there most hit of the miss. time. Hit or miss. It's hit or miss. But yeah, but there's a um, uh, little shower, little shower. No hot water, of course. Just uh, cool, cool to cold water. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the concept of water heater. Yeah. 
my so, wa- yeah, my water my water heater broke this week. Okay, it was that, so, so I got a taste of what it's going to be like. <laughs> yeah, it was it was I think uh, it was it God is, showing me get ready. Is solar and do you think? I mean, without getting too technical, there is solar an option for for the for the poor down the line? Is that can mainstream that can produce their own electricity? Or are we still far away from that? Would you guess? In, you're talking about the poor yeah. Donna. It yeah. is it's yeah. pricey. I mean, for my school, to be self-sufficient, I mean that's an option, right? Because you did it for the school, you could do it. It's it's pricey. I would say for the school, it was about it was over seven thousand for the school for a five kilowatt system. Okay. Um, I just talked to the guy yesterday because someone had an idea, but it's it's just not really feasible. Like, what if we uh, provided solar for some of these boreholes mm-hmm. if they're not hooked to the national grid? If they're not hooked with electricity and they're uh, they have no electricity. What we do now is these manual pumps. Right. And they're hard for an elderly person to do. They got a of pump. Of course, of course. It would be nicer if you had an electrical source. So the guy from the solar company wrote to me a couple of weeks ago, and I spoke to him yesterday. I was like, oh, would you ever think about doing that? Well, it's in the order of $3,000 mm-hmm. just to provide electricity. Mm-hmm. For that $3,000, I could give another community water. Water, yeah. So it's, yeah, I get now, it. it's a matter of it. allocating. I get know, it. But it's, it's, it's expensive still. I guess yeah. let's talk about those boreholes so we can paint a better picture of exactly what that yeah. is for the for the, yeah. the viewer. Um, it, it, obviously, you think okay, it's a well, so you've got to have a machine that drills into the ground to a certain mm-hmm. depth, and it goes and, deep, and it goes deep, and then until basically until they find water, right? Right, till they find these big aqu- aquifers. So, so back up for a second. Yeah. So, explain the, how the process looks. If I'm standing there watching this happen, so no one's there, and now they're starting to arrive to do this, what am I watching? Right. So, the first step is uh, I talk to my engineer or right. w- with my people that locate a village. We want to find the village. What villages have the most dire need right now? Got it. There are millions of people that need water, imagine. but I want to. You know, I have only limited resources, so I want to find the village. So, first is finding the village. Then we get a guy that does the survey, and I don't really understand what he's doing, but he finds, he's looking at like three or four different points. I can drill here, here, or here. And somehow, he's doing something and putting information into his computer and finding, oh, there's the most water underneath here. Somehow he knows, and he's been always right. Huh, that's interesting. So I'll get the technology. Interesting. I still don't understand it. But um, then they used to use hangers and they'd walk around the hangers. <laughs> I think they still do that, but not my guy. My guy's a little more sophisticated. We hire the best. <laughs> though, for God, come on. But I think, right, I think if, it, if it's split apart or something, I don't know. But uh, so you do the service, you know exactly. So my engineer then knows, okay, this is the point that's got the most it. plentiful water. Yeah, got it. Then he's hiring a drilling team. That's going, we've gone down anywhere from 50 meters, that's 150 feet to 100 meters, like wow. 300 feet. Wow. Through, through concrete until you get, until you get water gushing out. That's when you know it's, that's like a big jubilant moment when the water's like coming out. So this is a drill. The drill's on a truck? Yeah, it's on a truck. And it is, the drill bits it's are huge, yeah. Huge. And just go and go and go. And How down. long does it take to do that? So it can take uh, the ones that I personally witnessed, uh, not included the ones were in 2020 when I wasn't there. It could be a full day, like from morning till sometimes evening. Wow. Until you it's are satisfied that you enough. hit the water. Because you could hit superficial water, and you don't want to just stop there because that's going to dry up pretty Got quickly. It. You want to hit the... So the drill's the down, water. and you find the water reservoir. Yeah. 
and then there's a hole there now, right? Yeah. So, so then, now you create with PVC pipe. You, a sleeve. You construct the uh, sleeve. Exactly. You construct the borehole. So the borehole is this uh, blue, real heavy right. PVC pipe right. that's going all the way down. Wow. And uh, probably anchored into some of that rock. I think that's where it's anchored into is the rock. Um, and then once that's there, okay. now he puts the pump in there. There's a these fancy pumps. Uh, but it's still manual, though, right? It's so, still- no, it depends. Some villages have electricity. If they have electricity, we use um, electrical pumps. It's wonderful. So it's run huh. by electricity. Okay. Yeah, I prefer those. Those well, are really certainly, nice. Certainly. But the um, manual pump is still... On the man- manual pumps, it's, it's done by hand, right? Yeah. So what's left uh, after the pump is in there, they create this lever. It's basically a lever that's... Uh, you know, uh, making the pump work and bring water through the faucet. It seems unfathomable to me that a government that is actually, I don't know, again, I know it's a money thing, yeah. but is it really? Because a government that knows they're governing over this entire body of people, and there's one or two major cities with these facilities, but being that water is the the most purest form of absolute need, you think that they would be able to allot enough money to find out strategically where are these boreholes and just right just do it it's good because that that same amount of money has to be being wasted in other ways by that government Absolutely. doing st- other st- kind of stupid stuff probably stupid stuff or or corrupts yeah just keeping it for them you know keeping it in corrupt ways that's you know that's that really you know, is... the money tr- the money trail isn't always uh, accounted uh, for well right? of course of course so uh yeah it's it is unfathomable why why does steve green i'm happy to do it but why does steve green this guy from pittsburgh have to go in and find that village why wouldn't the government have so what the, as much access right so if you had access to politicians if politicians come and, t- and talk to you i imagine you would have to have some interfacing with local the universities and the governments there right right so my biggest interaction is this member of parliament um, I've never, um, I've never met like the president. That's of Ghana, okay. Well, what but, is it, what's um, that parliament member say to you as to why they won't do it? Yeah, yeah. Lack of funds, just lack of funds. He'll beg for his constituency. He has, yeah. You know, he has. Let's say Western Pennsylvania. You know, right. Um, he'll beg the government for funds. He needs this much money for schools, water, electric. You know, all the needs of his mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. He needs this much money. He'll get this much money. It's crazy, it's, though. It's crazy. Is that basic so, infrastructure that we just take again? Well, we the, take so it's not prioritized. The water the distri- distribution to those villages, to the people of the country—that's not a priority. Not a priority. That's insane. It's so insane, man. To it's the so average insane. person looking at that, that, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, absolutely. If you don't have the money to put, uh, you know, pipe-borne water in front of your house for even like in your home, um, you can put these pipes. If you don't have the money, you're fetching. Forget these small villages, even in a town, you're fetching at someone else's home for your water. I didn't even realize that for a while. I just assumed they had water. But my friends are telling me now we've been fetching water for a while. I mean, I understand that the cost involved to provide you know, running water through a street system and through individual homes, that's got to be exorbitant. I get that. But yeah. not even to be able to strategically put boreholes right. to service certain there communities, I don't get it. Right, exactly. There uh, is a village right now we're working on my friend Senyo's in this uh, the Bono East region it's a, it's a region about 12 hours away from his home he told me they're walking up and down like oh, like a mountain to get water could you imagine with a bucket of water coming back going like up a hill and down like a steep mountainy area just to get access to a stream 
that's what they're up against. Wow. Otherwise, they have no access to clean water. And I'm guessing most of these people couldn't possibly afford any kind of transportation. I'm guessing that sporadically you'll see cars and so forth, right? You'll see but taxis. So the taxi industry, you know, uh, going from point A to point B, uh, drivers can do pretty well. I would imagine. people spend a little bit of money to get from here to here with their goods. Maybe they come from the marketplace. But most people, uh, I don't know anyone other than the member of parliament that owns a vehicle. Yeah, unless wow. you're from a wealthy family, What's you don't own a vehicle. So you walk to places, like you walk, like these kids walk to school. Most Ghanaians will tell you they walk miles to go to school each day. Um, uh, walk to church, walk to, yeah, you just walk. Yeah. Hmm. Horrifying. It's craziness. It craziness. is craziness. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's still, it's just so hard for us yeah. to wrap our head around. I, yeah. It just, I, it is fascinating to me, though, that, that, that that's the one thing, being that that's the most elemental form of survival is water, right? Right. right. And, that, and they can't at least put boreholes in, right. in strategically in so many places, right. too. That I have to do this. Is, it's incredible that it, or other NGOs from other places have to do this. But uh, it's a joy to do it. So it's, oh yeah, yeah, we're gonna keep doing it, right? I, I totally understand, hundred percent, hundred percent. The yeah. um, the uh, back to the schools for a second. So the, the the building itself has four classrooms. Is that right? Four classrooms. Four yeah. classrooms, and uh, it's from K to six generally. Mm-hmm. The age differences depends on what that child has experienced school. when That's they exactly started, right? right? Sure. Uh, when you first built the school, was it did you, did you have any struggle getting people to come in, in terms of like they were used to, they only knew one way, you know, whether it's under a tree or whatever their very primitive way of learning was. Did you have to show them, look, this is another way to do it? Or was it pretty much right. they ran to the school? They, they ran to the school. A, a lot of it was just letting them become aware, like introduce the headmaster would go on a little campaign, introducing the concept. We just built this school. Hope for God, I just built this. Look what it has to offer they love the they love the library okay. they love the the water they love the lights there's a lot of glitter to it you know of course to attract you of know course. a brand new school so uh, it wasn't hard huh i i visited uh we captured it on film i was with my my video guy from pittsburgh he came with me two years ago february of 2019 uh-huh. and we captured on film all of a sudden, at the end of the day of school, I saw this motorcycle taking like two kids. I think they were brothers or friends. I think they were brothers. Two little kids on a motorcycle. We really wasn't pediatric friendly. Like I don't think I wouldn't think right. So I'm not advocating for this as a pediatrician, but it was so beautiful because I asked the headmaster. I said, "What's going on there?" This mother from a long ways away. I don't know what distance. I forget would bring her kids, send her kids on a motorcycle every day to school wow. and from school because she heard about this school. Wow. Yeah. So from, so I think at the very least I need to get them like helmets or something, right? I got to, yeah. <laughs> I think right, so, something. right? Let's help them in that way. But no, it's, it, but beautiful how when given opportunity, they will seek it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, it's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the way of the world. I mean, it just you just give people. That's all people need, right? That's all we need. That's what we were given by our parents, right? right. That's why we are here today because we had opportunity. So uh, around the school itself, the grounds uh, is there rec- recreational activities? Do you support? Do you encourage? So or I'd how, love that to. So I, I want to. I, I have visions of doing more with the school. There's a vast amount of land in front of the school. Vast amount, and truthfully, 
they gave me that land, they would give me more. If I said I wanted to add, um, you know, a football field or this, they would give me as much land as I want. But even in front of the school, I've thought about uh, creating like a football field. Soccer for them, right? So uh, yes. soccer, soccer's huge. Uh, exactly. Exactly. Um, it's... Um, did you see it's a lot of that? soccer? They call when, it football. When you exactly. drive, when you drive through those areas, though, do you see kids playing soccer? Mm-hmm. You'll see it's some of uh, and nothing. It's not like a turf like we have. It's literally dirt. The dirt, and it's kind of uh, you know uneven. The surface, you know, it's, of course, it's irregular. Of course, um, many of them not even with they don't have soccer shoes. I mean, they have a lot of them even in barefoot, but they're having the time of their life. So yeah. a lot of schools like. Um, Junior high schools will will have that in front of their school, so I'd love to. I'm think I'm thinking about doing something like that there. Okay. Um, there's a guy there that does playgrounds, like almost like oh, uh, really? like a little. I've seen his work, so I want to talk to him. I'm uh, I'm going to meet him when I get there uh, in the next week. He does like merry go rounds. I think he could do right, like right, a seesaw, right, like right. basic things for kids. That'd be nice, right. like almost like a monkey bars, things yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. we'll see, we'll see. But I'd love that. So once you get them to sixth grade um, and the child graduates, now what is the typical option for that kid? At what age would that be? 13, right. So 12? that could be. Uh, Let's see. It could be thirteen. Could be could be fifteen. Even could be fifteen okay. or sixteen. Okay. Or older. Uh, then they'll be old enough. That they'll have to walk to their junior high school. They'll have to walk if, they, if there's one around them, right? Right. But they may walk miles. There may not be one around them. But then the thought is that at least you've taken care of the young kids safety wise. Absolutely. And an older kid is a little bit more capable. Got it. Got it. But got it. What would be ideal in a situation like that is to build enough for like junior high school, like classrooms for you know first grade second third up to sixth and then even seventh eighth and ninth i mean that's a thought one day one day i'll get there no no i get that i was just wondering like in terms of i mean it's it's a miracle to get them to sixth grade but i would imagine that's probably more than a lot of those kids ever really get a chance to do absolutely absolutely in the village where i'm building the second school many of those kids god's way for example yeah has never gone to school a day in his life Again, wow. 18 or so years old, wow. has never gone to school a day in his life. I realized that I had uh, I had to um, create a contract with his mentor, the, uh, Samuel, who's the mason, who's going to teach mm-hmm. him, his mentor. Mm-hmm. And we had to sign a contract that witnesses, his parents were there, yeah, I had yeah, to have yeah. witnesses, whatever. It was just formal. It was nice. Um, and at the time, he was asked to sign his name. He doesn't know how to write his name. So what they do wow. instead... They put ink on their thumb and, and just do a thumbprint, and that's his identity. So, that's crazy. It's so crazy. This it is crazy. Energy. So uh, not that we don't have illiteracy here, but I would think most people know how to write their, at least yeah. write their name, right? Yeah. yeah. So I thought, wow. So I told him before I left. This was the last time I had seen him in September of 2019. I told him I'm coming back, and I'm teaching him how to write his name. Yeah, at the very least, right? Because he's so, had nothing. He's had no kind no of education. No education. And his parents the same way. They had a sign. They did the same thing. So it, it, it's a cycle. It's a cycle. So if you can bring schools into these areas, yeah. think of what how, what you can do if you can break that cycle yeah. of illiteracy, right. lack of education. Right. I mean, Steve, before before you arrived there for this area that you're working with. And they did. I'm assuming there's no television, right? I'm guessing that most of them didn't. Very have few tele- people have television, right? In yeah. a village, uh, 
maybe one person has like a small unit yeah. that everyone's watching, you know, and they tap into the electricity from like somewhere like imagine. But, but I'm, I'm but, just kind of curious, is there, are there, is there a newspaper? How do they even remotely get information about the world? You yeah, know? so they hear about it. They'll hear stuff on the radio. Um, the radio, okay. I, I don't know that the typical. I'm trying to think if I've seen the. Typical the radio Ghanaian. has to be a big thing for them. Yeah, right? I think so. I'm trying to think if I've seen the typical Ghanaian, like in these again in these small towns and villages, reading the paper. Yeah, they love and can't so. read. I don't think so. Exactly because of illiteracy, and you'd have to have there, there are like 45 different dialects there. Oh, There's wow. no, you know, English is the national language, but only the educated people speak English. So it, it's radio. It's it's radio. I didn't even know that English was the national language there. Yeah, they're learning that in school. So school students learn English in their school. But in their home, they're usually sp- they're typically speaking their tribal language. So it's years before a kid will understand, be able to dialogue with me. Wow, even that is great just... school kids. Most of these kids in this school kind of just look at me maybe they understand a few words they don't they they don't speak english but as they get up in the years mm-hmm. and they're exposed to it more they'll speak they'll learn to speak english so on your first school how did you find teachers how did you go about acquiring the teachers you needed so because steve green didn't want to be hiring and firing people so basically what i do and i'll do it with the second school uh this coming month I hand the school over as a gift. I hand the school over to the Ghana Education Service, okay. kind of like the Pittsburgh school system, okay. you know, the public school system. And you trust them? Yeah. Well, I have to. So I still have my, no I still have my handprints all over the school. The headmaster and I talk about a lot of stuff. But just hiring and firing, getting a headmaster, getting teachers, they become government postings. They I understand. They become public. I understand. Because um, it would be impossible from where I sit. It would be privately run school be impossible. It would be impossible for me. Yeah. Not not living there. Like if I wanted to. You'd be absentee and it would yeah, be, be too, much, too much going on. It would be crazy, right? Okay. So and the government does that and they have the standard curriculum. But when I talk to the headmaster about maybe bringing a vocational training, you uh-huh. know, he, he loves it. I'll run it by the Ghana Education Service, let him know the school's going to be used for that. But They don't push any, back. They don't push no, back. Let you do whatever you want. Anything I want to do. For them, it's just addition. You're adding something. Of course, have at it. You know, hmm. So, so uh, standard curriculum during the day. So uh, reading and writing and arithmetic and all mm-hmm. you know, the fundamentals entered. I'm guessing in maybe an intro to science of some right. kind. Science. Uh, they have religious and moral education. Mm-hmm. They do that. Uh, they have IT, which is interesting because most schools never have computers. So How they're about learning, that? They're learning theoretically on a blackboard what a keyboard looks like. Wow! So if I can bring in computers to these schools, it's amazing. Now they can functionally see a keyboard. Yeah learn what a document looks right, like. You know, right, see Microsoft right, right. Office, it's amazing. Does one teacher teach that group of children all day or multiple teachers during the day? For the older kids, kind of like in America, the, as the kids get old, like in junior high school, they would have different teachers. Right. They'd have an English teacher, science teacher. But the basic history, um, English, away their tribal language. Mm-hmm. Um, again, IT... Uh, those are the basics, religious, moral education. Are there any opportunities at all for any of these kids um, college-wise? Any community college? It's Could anyone get lucky and get, somehow get in? Yeah. If you, don't have, if you don't come from a wealthy family or have a sponsor to help you or really work for years, you might be able to save over the years. College is pretty expensive there. It's, it's very few that get, get that far. 
But some people, if they really are determined, if they're really determined, they'll they'll save, they'll work small jobs, they'll save money for university and try to get in. Hmm. But it's it's tough. Uh, a lot of people don't end up there. I can imagine. Well, even so, if you got in there, w- would there be a job waiting for you when you finished? That's a good question. And the unemployment rate there is is astronomical. A lot of university graduates are walking the streets of Accra, the capital, looking for jobs. The industry is just just limited. You know, whether you want banking or you know to do law, it, it's it's very limited. You said fishing is part of the. Uh, e- economy there, right? Big, yeah. B- fishermen, uh, fishing and farming. Um, so the, how's the fishing work? They go out on boats? On boats. Come back with in? those vast nets, I think. I've just heard about this. My friends do this as side jobs. Okay. So they'll help They'll help the fishermen with that. Um, hmm. I haven't done that yet. <laughs> <laughs> is, that, is that on your list of things to do when <laughs> you come back? Baby, that'd be get cool. Get some video you out there be- with a big fish. Hat turned sideways. That would be cool. That would be cool. You got to admit, that would make a good video, right? Be a great video. You, you need to do a full blown documentary, man. I mean, a full yeah. blown. Have you? Are, is so, that is that in your wheelhouse here? Uh, absolutely, absolutely. I'd love to. My my video guy. Uh, we're talking about that. Are you taking yeah. a video guy down there with you, or is so it someone? Came, you, he, yeah, he came. Alan came uh, two years ago in February. Came for a week. Had the time of his life. Mm-hmm. Loved it. Uh, he wants to go back probably uh, in 2022. Next year he'll come okay. again for a week. But we have the vision of doing a documentary, right? And, and you know, all these little storylines that are interesting, right? Uh, is, let me ask you this question. Would it be who have you ever to maybe look at? Uh, would, would the talent to produce this already be down there somewhere? In maybe one of the universities or maybe in, in the, the bigger, uh, you know, the more modernized cities. Would Could there be a a person or a group of people yeah. already with that kind of talent that you could bring on board to assist you with that. Sure, absolutely. Even in, in the small town where I'm at, um, there's a guy who does a lot of uh, events. He's a big photographer who does weddings, funerals. Um, he has a drone. He's helped me out. Mm. He's done some drone photography. So he would definitely be on board, absolutely. So I, you could bring in – there's some photographers down there that I know – there's some talent. This is some amazing talent down I there. Bet. It's again. It's just a matter of opportunity. How many how many Ghanaians down there can afford like a beautiful thousand dollar camera and two hundred dollar lens and this? Very right. few. But right. But I know a lot of them. They're not short on the willingness to do things. They're just exactly. on, on the means. That's exactly They're short right. on the That's means. Exactly right. But I have uh, great photographers and great um, some drone people. Yeah. So we'll bring in a lot of the. I, I think it would be amazing to bring in a lot of the local talent. Okay. Yeah, you've had all these years to reflect on this entire journey for you, you know, and you, you probably try to remember what it was like as, as uh, you were your first trip, right, thirty-five years ago, right, and what your mindset was and all that, and how that's all been crafted and changed. What would you say is the biggest take takeaway for you personally as you sit here now, getting ready to go back again into the thirty-fifth year? Is that about right? Yeah, yeah. Thirty yeah. fifth year. I went in like, nineteen July of nineteen eighty six. So yeah, almost thirty. So the person you were when years. you went there, if you can remember, because I mean, I, I my memory's not the greatest, <laughs> but uh, the, in in who you are today and how you view life, what do you think the biggest takeaway for you is on a selfish basis for you as a person to take away? For me, yeah. Wow. Uh, I think a few things. I mean, the value of opportunity. I mean, the value, what we take for granted, what was given to me by my family, parents, Mm -hmm. grandparents, that 
that nurturing opportunity is so uh, so much n- not always available out there. And I'll give you a, a, a story, and then I'll come back to the rest mm-hmm. of the takeaway. But my first trip, one of the most haunting stories that I, I talk about now, that uh, it still haunts me. I was playing with the kids. I was working at the hospital, so I'd play with the the kids who were doing their homework with them because the nurses lived on the on the premises. They had housing on the premises, so I would do the homework, do help help the kids with their homework. So we're out there doing homework, and a woman comes over with her baby wrapped around her back, probably a three- or four-month-old baby, and she asked me to take that baby home with me to America. Will you? She said, will you please take my baby with you? And I thought it was you know, a joke. I thought it was like, well, I'm not sure what you mean. And then I asked her again, and I realized what she wanted. She wanted me to give that baby an opportunity mm. that, that that kid would never have. It's unfathomable. Like, uh, what parent would do that, right? What parent would want to do that? But yet, for her, that would have been the biggest blessing for someone to be able to take that baby to America and give that baby opportunity. So I think wow. I, I think those stories, I'm watching it even today, 35 years later, seeing uh, and, and, and being weighed down by watching that lack of opportunity there. Um, you appreciate You appreciate what you have in your life. But I think what fuels me each day is the feeling that and it's just in my blood now. I don't even think about it, but that I have to help those. You, I, I, God put me on this planet. I, I realize my purpose. Like God put me on this planet. We have to make people's lives better. Mm-hmm. Like I, I live by the philosophy of you need to. If you go into a situation, always make it better than when you where than how you found it. Right. Okay. And I think that's what's just been ingrained of why we're here and what we should be here. At least why you know what we should be here for. That right. We have so much. Mm-hmm. We have ample opportunity and so much, so many gifts that there's so much to give. And we can change people's lives. You know, you're not going to change the whole world. But if you change one life at a time, one village at a time, for me, I think the takeaway is there's so there's so many ways to change the world in that sense, one life at a time. Mm-hmm. The, the times you come back from your trips, is there an adjustment period, or was there in prior years when you would go, when you were maybe younger in the game, so to speak? Yeah. Like, you yeah. would get home, like, you were in so much poverty and doing all this really organic, hands-on mm-hmm. work, right? And then you come back to modern civilization. Is there, yeah. is there an adjustment It's hard, absolutely. Adjustment it's still a little period? bit hard. Not, not as hard, um, but, but definitely. I, I think there was, like, guilt if I went out. Like, uh, early on, I couldn't even go to a restaurant like like now I go to restaurants like all the time. I don't like to cook, Eric. So I go <laughs> just to let you know. So I'm out there. But but to go to a restaurant and consume yeah. like we do in America felt like bad. Like it felt, ooh. I, I, I did less of that early on mm-hmm. in my trips. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it gets a little easier, but I miss it. Now I just miss it. Now I just miss the people when I get back. Uh, and I'm always thinking, oh, what's my next? Yeah. What am I yeah. doing on the next trip? Yeah, you're such a forward-thinking person. You're probably one of the most forward-thinking people I've probably ever met. Wow. So, no, really, you, you do, you're you always, I, I would imagine your brain works in a way where you're just constantly planning for everything. Am right. I right? Right, exactly, exactly. Yeah. And some of it comes naturally. I made a lot by by this year, you know, 10, 35 years in Ghana, but 10 years into the charity. A lot of it I know what I'm doing, but there's always new ideas. And if I can think of new mm-hmm. things to do... Mm-hmm. That chart that juices me up, man. I love, I love. Wow, I can plan for this as the next step. Do you ever get a chance to really take sit back and reflect, or you do not 
don't don't do that too often. I try. I'm running like when I'm in Ghana. I, I want to start to do that. I find that I'm, I'm running a lot. I'm doing a lot. I uh, as I'm getting older, I, I want to like slow it down a little bit and just spend time with the friends I have there and just really sit back and really mm-hmm. just cherish mm-hmm. cherish the moments there. I think mm-hmm. right now I'm. The last few years, as the projects have been moving fast, I feel like uh, it's going a little too fast. I, like, okay. I want I want it to slow down for me and just really just cherish it. Whether it's like hanging out at the beach or just right. Right. just just slowing it all down. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna start on this trip. I'll try right on. I think uh, I think if anything, not being there for the last year and a half with coronavirus, like stopping me in my tracks from traveling, right. I'll probably cry when I get to the airport, man. I'll probably cry with tears of joy when I get there. You know what I mean? Yeah, but, I so I think it. I'm going to cherish it in a different way this it. trip. It'll be beautiful it. in a really amazing way. I'll just cherish. Uh, but but I'd love to slow it down. I would. Did, did you, uh, through this journey, have you taken photographs? Have you made it a point to take photographs when you yeah. were there? Yeah, yeah. So we do. Uh, I do a ton of photographs, video. And okay. I, that's what makes a lot of the, the videos. You can see them on my website. And right, it's what right. I present. I have. Like at my golf outing. Like that's what yeah. I have a nice uh, yeah. captive audience to show the work. Yeah, so so there's some great stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and and, it and enables it, you to look back easier that way too. I mean, yeah. it's like it's it's, it's just such a long tapestry. I mean, you've in 35 years the amount of people that you've touched on there is insane. Right. Really? Uh, absolutely. Uh, that have touched me. Really that yeah. in reverse yeah. that have touched me. Yeah. So I think at the last the last trip I did more of those selfie kind of videos. I've never loved my face on the like. I didn't want that to be the. But you're so beautiful, <laughs> right? But I never wanted. I never wanted Steve Green to be the face. I wanted I the work to be the face. Sometimes, but sometimes you have to be the face. But you have to be the face. And nowadays, yeah. Let's face it. With social media, that's what people want. They yes. want to see that face. Yes. Know, actively engaged with it. So yeah. I'm doing. I did more the last time. I can envision myself just kind of telling the story a little bit more first person. Okay. Um, with okay. the people around me. I think it'll be okay. interesting. Um, instead of the photographs of the work, me engaged. Certainly. Nice. Certainly. Yeah. And it's exciting. It's exciting to me that you have so much passion to do this because I go by the mantra that if you really aren't invested, I mean, really personally invested yeah. in what you spend a lot of time doing, then you're probably wasting your time. You know, and I think a lot of people do that. Yeah. yeah you know, yeah, so right. when you, when I see someone, it's so. I mean, you've put your money where your mouth is with your time and your money, right? When you're down there, does it feel like your second home? Does it feel like home there? So much so. So much so. Like when I tell you that I'll probably cry when I get on Ghanaian soil, it's because it's it's my second home and and I missed it. I missed it and the people, the people... Uh, you, know, the, the, you, you told me about the smell last time you were there. It's a different it's, smell. Because you said to some people smell. it's offensive. To no, the, it's so it's, it's beautiful. So I, I always talk about. I mean, Africa in general. You picture the vivid color, like you, when you picture their garment, their beautiful garments. They're very colorful. Yes. So you're struck by um, so many things. The the taste. The tastes are very vivid. Amazing. Food. Right. Right. The, the color. Uh, the noise is a noise level there. Um, really, I, said, loud, I, I didn't think about that. A uh, loudness, if, if, especially in a congested town, it's it's it's, it's loud. Especially if a lot of people are outside. Okay, but there's this okay. smell when you walk off the, and I love it. It's just how have I described it? It's like a musty. It almost smells like burnt corn. I think it's I think it's the humidity. I think it's the mildewy humidity. It sounds bad when I say mildew, but it's not. It's it's. I love the smell. Okay. But I know I'm home. 
I know I'm home. There's also, when you walk in the airport, there's the beautiful, uh, in their tribal language, Chui, which is spoken down in the capital. It's Aquaba. Aquaba is welcome. So I love seeing that. Uh-huh. But the welcome, I don't need the word. I just love seeing the people, the people, the accent, the hearing. Yeah. That for me is home. And the smell. I'm telling you, it's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll be greeted. I'll, uh, my, my friend Senya will be there. My driver. Yeah. I'll have a driver who yeah. takes me around. Yeah. And Senya will be there. So uh, people are waiting to see me. So it is. It's, it's a second home there. Um, yeah. It's, 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 it's amazing. My friend, this is good. This is I've, I've waited for you to be back in this room. <laughs> For so long, right? I, I'm thinking. I think Steve might have forgot my name. I'm like, no, you know, it's no, like no, no. no. There was a little pandemic thing between there was a pandemic us. There, thing. Yeah. yeah, like I wedged in there somehow. Yeah, yeah. So you, you, you f- a little bit fell through the uh, by the wayside a little bit. But uh, like I said, I wasn't going to have. Track. I, I tried my best not to have COVID. Like, uh, yeah. halt the mission. Understood. I still even did my golf outing last year. I know you did. I did my golf outing. Oh my God, Eric! Like you remember everything. By July, still things were canceled, canceled, canceled. Everything, weddings canceled. This event canceled. When I heard, I'll, I'll tell you the the brief story. So the first thing, do you remember the first thing that Governor Wolf opened in Pennsylvania? We were still, I think, in the red zone. Mm. This was back in May. Was it golf courses? It was golf courses. Yeah, it was golf well, it made courses. Sense. It's out. It's, it made sense. Yeah. It's outdoors, right? So then I thought, all right, you know that phrase like, why do you have to throw out the baby with the bathwater, so to speak? Right, 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 right. I thought. Wait a second. I could do the golf. I think maybe I have to modify the dinner or the lunch. You know, you have yeah. to modify that social yeah, part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I followed through with the course. They were excited about doing it, and we worked with the catering staff, and they were to the T watching every county regulation and Pennsylvania regulation, and we did it. We modified. We had only a certain number of people in the room. I had to split the dinner instead of all six o'clock. We had to do a four o'clock shift to right. To spread I understand. people out. I understand. But it was amazing. Yeah. And you I'll made, tell you, people, you made that happen. It was amazing. And I was so proud of it. I was proud of it because it was safe. It was everything it should have been from from a healthcare standpoint. Right. But it gave people such an outlet. People loved it. I'm I telling bet. you, golfers, I never had more golfers in my life. Uh-huh. It was, I think people just like couldn't wait to do something. Right, there were people that believed in the mission too. Of course. But they wanted just an outlet to, to give and, and to be outside. I probably yeah. drink a lot. They probably yeah. wanted to drink. Right? <laughs> I think a lot of drinking has been going on since Corona. <laughs> right, right. Right. I know. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, and we'll do it again this July. Right on. Yeah, July seventeenth. You're invited. Yeah, I'm a terrible golfer. I'm, I'm the, probably the good. world's worst golfer. That's good. That's perfect. No, You're the perfect I can drive the then. cart though. Hopefully, we can all be in this. <laughs> you can, we can have multiple people in the carts now. Yeah. Was, that, was it one person per cart, or were you allowed to sit tandem? So, if somebody insisted, it's interesting. Uh, early on in May, I think the regulation from Pennsylvania is there should be one person per cart. By July, uh, the golf pro just basically went at the club. Basically, went with what people want. A lot of then were fathers and sons or right, right, best friends that were right. hanging out anyway. Absolutely. So, so most people wanted to, they, they would not have wanted to be separated. Got there it. was one guy who asked me, and the, the golf pro was perfect. He said, whoever wants it can have their own cart. But it was all sanitized. Everything was done. Like it was sanitized ahead yeah. of time. But most people uh, shared carts. Right on. We had 86 golfers. Yeah. It's impressive. It was impressive, man. It's impressive, man. It was impressive. And let me tell you, philanthropy, I thought philanthropy uh, last year would be like down Mm -hmm. because the pandemic is, people are struggling. Everyone everyone was, you know, it affected people's livelihoods. Certainly. Livelihoods to say the least. 
I'm telling you, philanthropy for Hope for Ghana was up, bro. I don't it's know if amazing. it's amazing. Uh, it was amazing. I'm telling you, people that maybe gave a hundred dollars now gave two hundred. Yeah. Like it was just yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know what it was. I don't know yeah. the mentality of I want to, I want to give, I want to help, I want to. I think that I permeated make something society. I want to believe that it did. I mean, it certainly. Mm-hmm. If, if anyone's paying attention, I would hope it would make us look inward a bit. Yeah, based I on what so. we've gone through and what's really important. Absolutely. I mean, I think for me that the whole lockdown was a nice, nothing nice about the epi- the, the the pandemic, but but nice that it slowed everything down. I know for me, it did. I almost liked that time that was a little bit more uh, the quieter. Yeah, I was getting out of work really early. No one was, no one wanted to come to a pediatrician's yeah, office. Absolutely. So I was getting out earlier, and I yeah. I kind of liked it. It was yeah. strange. Is that the, yes, that one of the takeaways for you in terms of the pandemic and, and personally? I mean, oh, 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 God. I mean, you can find any positive in there, obviously, maybe that maybe people slowing down a bit. I, I think slowing down. I think I think we saw um, neighbors helping neighbors. I think you saw mm-hmm. um, at times, there were, there were other times where people fought with each other. We saw mm-hmm. that later in the year. But I think early on, I, I think there was a sense of, I got to take care of my neighbor. Maybe he can't get out to the supermarket. Let me help him. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Um, you saw the appreciation, especially early on, with healthcare workers really reflecting and saying, wow, we have to value. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's not all these you know, famous football players and mm-hmm. you know, basketball, mm-hmm. but, but like nurses and Without a doubt. paramedics, Without a doubt. healthcare workers. I, I, I think our priorities maybe yeah, they uh, put the focus put the focus on where it needed to be too. absolutely so i, I think, think i think i think so uh i think things got muffled at yeah. times you know yeah. they, no, it's society was, in general that I was mean, society right I mean, but 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 i like that it slowed us down i i thought it was um it was good and you could you had the chance to again maybe set new priorities mm-hmm. I, I think how whole for ghana will run probably how your business runs too mm-hmm. like everyone we run maybe a little bit differently now. Mm-hmm. Like even even if coronavirus no was gone at a certain no question, point, I think we'll still do. I think Zoom meetings are here to stay. I think uh, just certain things that we do, how we function, how we relate to each other. Maybe yeah, I would think permanent. I would think hopefully that we have more consideration for each other. And I know that you'll have like fifty people that will say oh, we're worse off today, and fifty percent will say oh we we're better off today. You're always going to have that, right? But I would like to think that deep down inside, in most everybody. I would think we look at life a little differently now, right? I and I would so. hope that we err on so. the side of kindness, maybe. I hope so. I hope so. You know? uh, I, I definitely hope so. And I think it gave us the opportunity, whether we took advantage of that opportunity, who knows, right? But I, mm-hmm. I, I think it did. I think it slowed life down. Uh, not being able to see your family at times. Right, right. If nothing, you valued it now. I missed going. I didn't go right. home for Thanksgiving. Right. I mean, you know, there was a big surge. I didn't want to, you know, see my parents who, you know, mm-hmm. uh, of an age. I was worried. You know, God Certainly. forbid I bring coronavirus to them. Certainly, and cause harm to them. So Certainly. So now, when I see them now, I appreciate. I appreciate it that much more. So I think. No question. Uh, I think definitely we value relationships. You yeah. Know? Social distancing is not human. It's not in our human right. DNA, right? Right. We want to be. We want to, right. you know. So well, I think certainly. we value that 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 closeness. Yeah, and we're on our, we're on the road to recovery. We're on the road. Back. I think so. I yeah. think so. I, think so I, 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 I definitely see it. I see um, uh, with this, uh, the whole vaccination program. I see like a light at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm for sure. I'm telling you, mm-hmm. maybe it's a person, maybe it's a doctor. I just I see the light. I see the light at the end of the tunnel. I feel there. the same way. It feels good. It's it's not over yet, but it's. Ooh, things are picking up. You can see it in the the street. The streets are busier, a uh, little livelier. 
I'll share this with you. My son sends me this text last night, and he says, Dad, you know, we follow the Oakland A's. We're baseball yeah. fanatics, and right. the A's are 0-4 to start the season. <laughs> and that's a little frustrating, but he sends me this text. He's Sounds like, like the Pirates, right? He's yeah. saying, well, the Pirates actually won a couple <laughs> I know, of games. One, right? <laughs> but my, my son goes, Dad, you know, they're 0-4. I can't believe this. And I said, son, I said, when you watched that game last night, what did you see? He goes, what are you talking about? I said, what did you see when you watched that game that you didn't see last year? Well, there's people, people in the fan in this. I said, yeah. yeah, you know what? I said they could Enjoying lose. Life. They could lose all the rest of the game, son. Absolutely, it wouldn't matter to me. I'm telling you, the fact that people are out and yes. engaged again. Yeah, it's it's it, it, it's it's wonderful. Felt it. Yeah, it, it's wonderful to hear people roaring and, and and cheering for something instead of everything's yep. canceled, shut down, shut. Down. It yep. is. It's amazing. And who knows yep. when we'll see like a full stadium? That I think it's going to take a while. Baby steps, man. Uh, baby steps. I'm Boy, good with great, it. Right? If you could put twenty thousand, and I it's think, improvement. Uh, Twenty thousand is a lot. I mean, that's like a third of the capacity. That's exactly right. And if if Heinz Field this fall can have like let's say half, let's say thirty five thousand, that'll feel great. I, I agree. I agree with you. The roar of the crowd. Do you remember the the fake noise? I know. <laughs> or just seeing the empty seats. It was just right. it was so stark and so unnatural. Right. It was so unnatural, and it reminded us of how unnatural our world was. How unnatural the whole this all was. Yeah. Like, like, where did yeah, this come from? Like, yeah, oh, my God, yeah. what happened to us? Yeah. It wasn't natural. You remember the cardboard? With the car- Who I think I started in Oakland. The cardboard cups first appeared in <laughs> Oakland. And I was that? like, wait, what? Is, Why is that, that a real this? person? Right. I kept saying to myself, how come there's people in the stadium? Right, right. I mean, Oakland's putting people in the stadium. How come the Pirates can't? I'm looking, I'm going, that guy's not moving. <laughs> but, but the fake noise was good, though, I think. I don't know that I could watch a game, baseball or football, without in silence. It would be a little Well, you know why they did that? Freaky. I was told that that was initially done because they didn't trust the coarse language they'd pick up from the field. That's, That's why initially it was done, as opposed to then shutting it all off and having it just silence right. and have the announcers just announce it with silence. So they had to do something. Okay. So they piped the noise in I gotcha. and turned I the field down. Because I guess you could field. hear, well, I guess the field mics would pick up everything with no noise in the that's yeah. interesting. And in football, they had to be very careful with that, too. Yeah, right? right. Especially in football. Yeah. <laughs> Especially in football. Especially in football. But it created sort of a sense. Something isn't right. Of normalcy with in the an people abnormal. people there. I, th- I think so. I think so, because it was so abnormal. And I, it was I, so abnormal to it, see empty stadiums. Even watching hockey now is with the tarps over all the, in, in some of the places, with tarps over all the, the stands, it's just very. Yeah. Like when you watch a New York team play, there's no one in there. Right. You know, still. Right. And yeah, they're really conservative. New York City, anyways. Yeah, New York's been so conservative in terms of their baby steps are really yeah, baby steps. Yeah, I think so. But it was funny because I think Buffalo had a football game. There was a bunch of people there. Like the Buffalo, okay. and that's in the state. So I, I really was right. just weird. Like, well, I guess it was maybe more the city because it was so congested. I gotcha. And the management of the whole thing. I don't know. Right. I just, I'm just glad to see us somewhat getting back to normal. I think so. I think so. Even as I'm in restaurants, it's uh, people are coming out more, especially the warm weather. I think there's. It's going to be a good summer. It's going to be a good summer. It's going to be gonna a good summer. Great, you're going to have a great spring. I'm going to have a great spring. Yes, you are. Leaving uh, next Wednesday. I know, starting in and a then, week. Uh, yeah, then I come back. i got a couple of months to prepare for the golf out. How, how, how long are you there? I'll be there for a good three and a half weeks. Close to four weeks, man. Almost a close full month. Close to four weeks. Yeah, I'll be back. I'll leave on the 9th. I'll leave oh. on a Sunday night. I arrive on a Thursday morning. So a good 
even excluding travel, I'm a good yeah. three and a half weeks. Now, what do you plan? All, all things going as planned. When do you anticipate the next trip for you? So I'd love to get back in the fall. That's right. Like I used to do. I used to do a winter mm-hmm. trip and a fall trip. So uh, no reason not to think I, I shouldn't be able to do that. So Septemberish or October. Okay. okay. So we got to plan. We got to plan a, 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 a you know. Absolutely. Come on. I want. I want. Well, I'm gonna. Yeah. I want you back the moment. Uh, the moment you get back from this trip. So if it's a month or two from now, I want yeah. you back. Back. We'll do I that. I want to hear about it. We'll do that. And yeah. for the record, how can people donate and reach you? Give all the portals. Uh, let me do it. So uh, I have a great website, hopeforgana.com. Hope for Ghana. G H A N A. Hopeforgana.com. There are a million ways to donate right on the website. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a Facebook page, mm-hmm. Steve Green. Also, Hope for Ghana. That you can donate right on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, Instagram. Um, you doing the Instagrams? <laughs> so, yeah, I'm getting used to it. Someone said I should be on Twitter. I'm, I draw the line there. Like I don't I, do right, Twitter. I'm, that's, I'm, I'm drawing, yeah. right, I draw the line that's there. The, but, uh, that's the sewer dump of the internet. Exactly. Like, yeah. right? but, uh, <laughs> look, social media is what it is. But for me, is you got to use the tool. You use the tool. It's a tool. We all use it, that's right? It. it gets it gets our word out. It's, it, it's just really I do nice. find it funny that you push back on Twitter because I just do too. I don't well, partake in that. Yeah, and it was a matter of time. Like I can't it's be caustic. everywhere. It's kind of caustic. It's caustic. And uh, yeah, uh, yeah. My audience, even if they're not on hope for, uh, Facebook or Instagram, mm-hmm. well, I, I lost you. But uh, yeah, no. I'll miss you. But um, yeah, the uh, website hopeforghana.com and, uh, and for those interested in the golf about, outing, that's coming the golf up, it's on the it's on the website, right? It's on the website. You can even go to directly to the page. It's hopeforghana.com slash golf easy enough slash golf but you can find it on the website july 17th it's a time of your life all the drinks included if that doesn't get Crazy. you there <laughs> it'll get you there um we yeah, have, we have a mutual fun. friend uh, attorney rocco Cozo. we have a very good friend of both of us i want to get rocco on here rocco you amazing. as well can i'm I, telling rocco if you see this i want you rocco let me there get, i love rocco I, I love rocco like incredible. maybe as much as you we both love rocco oh, yeah. no so let me give a shout out rocco Cozo has given me a lot of uh wonderful advice he's just he's just that entrepreneurial business guy right right practical he's just he's he's amazing so yeah so he he taught me you know different tiers of sponsorships right uh and he does the top tier he said of course he he does last year i'm doing it this year he's doing it so he's big big huge sponsor just my signature sponsorship so the coastal law group i thank you rocco you're amazing but i'd love to be on the show and we know another mutual friend zach we sure do, Zach, Zach Rudder. Rudder. Zach Rudder's going to come to Zach Rudder was supposed to come to Guyana. I know he was. He was going to come in March. His bags were packed. He was so excited. What he's going to do in like a week's time, he wants to do a few murals, like take a wall and just do. He can do it. He can do it. I think he picked, uh, like, I think he decided I'm going to do like three walls, two walls and maybe one of the outside walls or something. He was he was more devastated than I, know I he was, was about the trip cancellation. I'm pretty close to Zach, yeah. Yeah, he's oh, he's a sweet kid. So yeah. uh, we'll get him on here too. We'll get him on here too. So he's going to come. He, he, I think he'll maybe in the uh, fall. We're talking about maybe the fall. He has a newborn baby. He's got. I know he does. Yeah, yeah. The baby would miss him too much now. So he'll get there. I know he wants to do he it. He wants to do it. Yeah. I so know. Zach, but yeah, Rocco. Rocco uh yeah probably uh we have a lot of good good friends we but do, yeah buddy. i'd love to, but rocco and i that would be a good show that'd be a great show <laughs> matter of fact i'm gonna rocco put you on the spot rocco. buddy put me on the schedule <laughs> rocco <laughs> i appreciate yeah, it doctor my pleasure eric you, it's always a pleasure this and studio you, is like thank you it's is not so beautiful we, we have flickering lights today and this never happens right I, our, oh i our, thought that was the vibe I thought well, that was like maybe it is the vibe, vibe. we yeah. this center group never flickers on me it's usually the table right <laughs> The ta- now today the table is relatively stable. Yeah, 
But now the ceiling's flickering. You it's know, okay. It's I a, think it's all part of it's the... It's an old building. It's okay. the Eric McKenna vibe. Come I, on. I guess. But, bro, you're, you're, you're a joy to be around. It's, wow. it's, it's a blessing it's to be It's an honor here. for you to have you, buddy. Thank, Thank you. Thanks so much, and we'll, Very soon. Have a safe trip. Thank we'll you. we'll talk to you when you get back. I love that. All right. Thanks. Friends, we're out. Hello. You're listening to the Eric McKenna Project. 